All right, greetings, everybody. I want to welcome everybody to the show. Uh, welcome to Primordial Chaos Radio. Just give a second. We're getting everything set up, making sure we have the sound and, and volume and all that good stuff. So bear with me for a minute, and we're going to get started shortly. Checking a few things on my end. And just a second. Yes, Dr. Bynum, we have you here. You're clear. Okay. Okay, I'm just getting a few things set up. I want to welcome you to the show. Okay. All right. It looks like we are good. All right, so good evening, everybody. Uh, just checking the sound. We got Dr. Bynum here a lot. Uh, we obviously, since you heard and you've seen the advertisements and the promotion, uh, so Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum is with us. He has been on before on the old older platform we used to do. This is his first time on the newer platform. Uh, so we want to welcome you to the show, Dr. Bynum. Um, so if you could, like we like to do in the beginning, if you could just introduce yourself uh, to those that are not familiar with you and, you know, give sure. a little history of your background and things of that nature. Okay. Well, I'm Edward uh, Bruce Bynum. I'm a, uh, a, a psychologist uh, by training, and uh, my area of uh, interest is uh, particularly African uh, philosophy, African spiritual and religious systems, and their interface with modern science. And in that context, I've explored uh, families, um, neuroscience and um, African uh, uh, genetics and um, the roots of human the roots of the human experience in the African temperate so those okay. are the general areas and if uh, obviously dr. Bynum which uh, the listeners that are familiar with you know dr. Bynum has put out I mean we're going to focus uh, not just on that but mainly on dark light consciousness uh, but you have authored several books if you can and and like you are like you say you're a clinical psychologist if you can uh you know just run through a couple of your titles and let people know where they can get your books or the if you have a preference where you prefer to buy them i know they're available pretty much on amazon and yeah uh, the they're available website. yeah available uh you know it's not they're not difficult to get it always in paperback and Amazon is just simply the easiest, but a bookstore will order it, and you can certainly order it directly from the publisher. Um, and again, they're all in paperback. Uh, we're going to be focusing uh, primarily on dark light consciousness tonight, but uh, dark light consciousness is actually um, the uh, last in a uh, series that began, uh, oh boy, pretty much as I was in <laughs> professional training. Uh, beginning, first of all, with the study of dreams, and I've reissued the book, um, The Dream Life of Families, particularly from an um, African-rooted perspective, meaning uh, taking uh, Africa as the template, the the origin, the the fundamental form over which all human beings are derivatives, including the, the human family. So that's been re-released right. as uh, The Dream Life of Families, uh, The Psycho-Spiritual Connection. And then after that, um, the other major 
book, hopefully we are able to talk about a little bit tonight if we can get to it, is The African Unconscious. And that's where yes. uh, uh, the roots of ancient mysticism and modern psychology uh, find their uh, origins in the actual ancient sciences of Kemetic uh, Egypt, uh, particularly not only the physical sciences, uh, uh, mathematics, geometry, trigonometry, algebra, and so on, but also the arts of uh, medicine because of uh, um, the science of mummification and the related um, disciplines. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but particularly the spread of the African um, uh, species across all the different uh, continents. And then finally, the dark light consciousness, tracing what is the internal neuroscience, the internal neurology, the, uh, the fundamental right. uh, roots of our spiritual experience rooted also in the same place, particularly in the d- dynamics of the spinal column, the brain, and how the brain is covered. The dark matter of the brain is actually melanin, and how that is, relates to uh, uh, darkness and how that is also intimately related paradoxically to the light that springs forth from it, the light of consciousness, human consciousness. Right. right. Wow, that's a lot. And, and that's one of the first areas I want to go to because we've gone through, I know we've jumped around this book in the past when you've been on, but it's funny. I was going through it the other day and I realized there was one section we never really we, we got into it, but we haven't. I think it's important. But I want to get into that in a second. But again, if you're just joining us, uh, uh, Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum is here with us live. You will have a chance uh, later to uh, uh, call in or send your questions via the chat. If you're watching the live stream via YouTube, you can call in either YouTube or you can either call in here live at the show or you'll be able to forward your questions via the chat. I'm just going to give you the phone number if you, if you are deciding to call in just so you have the number. Um, that number is 605 562 zero four 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 it's going to ask you for id it's one three four seven seven eight pound and that's going to ask you for a pin it's just simply the number one and the pound i'll give that call in number again later in the show uh, obviously on either platform um you could just type if you're going to use via the chat to forward your questions i'll see that and you could also call in via the youtube so i'll be able to forward forward uh, any questions you might have later in the show um, all right, so I appreciate that, Dr. Bynum. What I want to, and I'm going to give you reference um, using the hard copy, so I'll give you page where I'm coming from uh, from the book. Um, I actually want to start uh, for the first portion, um, and I believe it's page 22, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, we talk about dark, well, let's, let's first do this for maybe the newer list before we get to that. The concept of dark light consciousness. Let's start there to give the basic definition, just in, just for for maybe somebody tuning in for the first time, and then I'll go to that section. Well, the the basic uh, uh, notion, the basic uh, image and idea is that um, out of the darkness of of the uh, um, brain, which is covered in darkness, gray matter is is dark is living. Uh, dark matter, it's energy, it's neurons, it's, 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 it is the place in which uh, the phenomenon of consciousness interacts with human beings. Some people uh, believe that that's the source of human consciousness. Others believe that it is a transducer of consciousness. Um, both arguments are sound philosophically and scientifically, uh, but the bottom line is that, that the part of the mystery of us is that 
out of the darkness of our brains and out of the central darkness of our spinal column, which is mm. uh, dark neural energy all the way to the base, out of that comes the light of our own consciousness. And the whole book, Dark Light Consciousness, I try to go into some um, uh, medical, neurological, anatomical um, history and um, basis for that understanding. And uh, it is uh, fairly obvious. It's just that for whatever reasons, uh, we haven't chosen to study it as a, as, a, as a species directly. We have indirectly. I mean, many of our mm-hmm. spiritual traditions are rooted in that phenomenon of right. um, out of the darkness comes the light. And right. there's a paradox of going back and forth between dark and light. But I try to show the neurological, the scientific, mm-hmm. and the medical basis for that because too often we, from my point of view anyway, we... We'll talk about these things sort of glibly, but we don't back it up with, with enough, um, mm. you know, hardcore science and medicine to substantiate what our intuitions are. It's not that our intuition may be wrong. wrong. That's not it. But rather, right. um, I, I really am one of those folks who just is this kind of a stickler for wanting to substantiate and give medical and scientific background to um, many of our um, deep uh, spiritual experience because let's face it in many quarters of the world today uh spirituality and and religion are on the ropes you know that's right right. yeah we're either it's either portrayed as some sort of fanatical ignorant anti-science anti-rational approach to human experience and i want to point out that that's absolutely not the case you know one can be a deeply uh spiritual and religious uh person and embrace science, medicine, mathematics, astronomy fully, and there not be any contradictions. And this is the way it was in ancient Kemet, in ancient Egypt. Right. There was no separation between science and religion. They were not at odds with each other. I mean, that's that's a that's a unfortunate uh, situation that arose sometime around the uh, 18th, 17th and 18th century in Europe. But the rest of the world had that dichotomy. And I'm hoping that we're beginning to end that period of time in which there seems to be some sort of phony war between the two. Right. And, 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 and Dr. Byron, and I'm glad you, you point that out, but is it safe to say uh, when you use the term religion during that period, uh, I, I guess it would be safe to say, I don't think they quite looked at and perceived it maybe so more along the lines as as a lot of people are perceiving it today because like as you said you see there's there's issues in the religious world on all levels well i'm i'm not myself if i understand your question i'm not seeing a contradiction it um i can mm-hmm. see how some people would see it that way and i can see how a lot of uh folks who are uh deeply religious people could feel assaulted or attacked by science because right. unfortunately right. There are a lot of people in the scientific community that either put down, ridicule, or attack religion as irrational and and so on and so forth. And that's not to say that some aspects of of spirituality and religion aren't, are, they are, but that's because of the way people have used it, not because of the way they inherently are. The first organization, the first organizing of of, uh, phenomena 
and events in the world were through a religious and spiritual prism. That is how mm. we first began to organize our experience. Um, and then we've climbed, not in a straight line, but we've climbed from that point. But we still are the same being, and we still go out in the back yard in, in summertime, look up at the sky, and are just in awe of the Correct. majesty of the, of the universe and, and our seemingly tiny place in it. When in point of fact, we're not some tiny little speck of nothing in it, but we are an integral part of it. And that's what, that's what spirituality does. It helps connect us to that deep intuitive sense that this is, this is our home. We're part of this in some incredibly significant and important way. It's unfortunately science of the last two and a half centuries that's tended to say that human beings are nothing little speck right. of dust, inconsequential. <laughs> and that is why a lot of people find science repugnant, even though we deeply need it. And I'm saying it's just not true. It's just not right. true. Right. Now, to back up to something you were talking uh, just a couple of minutes ago when you were, were going into the concept of dark light consciousness and what it represented and the scientific breakdown. Now, I don't know if you remember, I know the last, it was, it's been a while since you've been here. Uh, when you were talking about the neuromelanin in, in reference to this consciousness, I believe you, we didn't have time to expound on it too much last time. I believe you used the term on that last time you were here that uh, you referred to that kind of as the pathway to this consciousness, if I'm, if, if I remember that correct. Could, could you yeah, elaborate? Uh, What's the well, what I was, what I was pointing out uh, uh, was that, uh, you know, we, we were talking about the beginning of, of human life and human life begins in our mother's womb as a little yeah. tiny little cell that begins to uh, divide and divide and continuing to divide itself. But it's not a random division. That, that dividing itself eventually divides along a line. And that line, literally, line, is a line of, of, of dark matter that absorbs light, it absorbs photons on a tiny, tiny level in our mother's womb. And out of that begins to evolve the human form. Our, our spine, our organs, and so on and so mm. forth. And that line that attracts light and makes things increasingly more complex, medically it's called embryogenesis, the development of the, of the embryo. That right. process is guided, that light is guided by melanin. Why? Because, simply because melanin, because it's dark, it absorbs light, it attracts light. If you have a, uh, you go outside um, and there's a black top on the road or, or on a parking lot or something, it gets warmer than the other buildings around it. Why? Because it absorbs the sun's light and it holds it. Well, imagine it absorbing it and then translating it, transducing it, making it increasingly more complex through evolution and over time. That is what happens to our nervous system until we eventually evolve into the kind of creatures we are today. But you can see it happening millions of times a day, right there in the gestation in our mother's womb. It's a, it's a physical and medical, embryological, biological fact of nature. And that's not unique to human beings. All life forms on our planet that we know of do that. But particularly, particularly the, uh, the animal forms that are not in the ocean, the ones that have backbones, the vertebrates. Right. We're, we're the ones who develop spines 
And the human beings are the ones who have the most complex spines. And why do we have the most complex spines? Why do we have the most complex brain? Because we have the most uh, highly evolved system for trapping and conducing, transducing, I should say, light in our brains. And that light springs from neuromelanin. Right. Not melanin on the skin. Correct. It's different. Don't don't get that. Don't get don't get confused by that. That's important. But the the melanin we're talking about is universal neuro brain melanin, and you know the the human brain is covered all over its surface, all over the cortex, the neocortex, all over the surface with this light absorbing melanin, and also in critical neuromelanin, and it's also present crucially in certain key areas inside of the brain. And it is concentrated on a spinal line inside of the inside most part of our spinal column. So it goes, goes almost to the very base of the spine. Not quite. But it goes pretty close to the base of the spine. And in all spiritual traditions that I'm aware of, the notion of something stimulating the spine and the energy and it rising up to the brain and becoming light is very, very prominent. You see it every time you go to a physician's office. You see it in symbolic form. When you see that medical caduceus, that pole with two twin serpents around it, going up to the top, and at the top, those two serpents become birds and take flight, that's a symbolic representation of the spiritual process. And it comes from ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet in the Parangs, or the Houses of Life, because they had a medical system and a scientific system and a spiritual system all woven together. Right, right. Now, you also, I remember one time, was saying in reference to what you're talking about now, the, uh, the neuromelon, uh, you also talking about, I'm glad you differentiate, we're talking about that universal uh, melanin, not the, uh, you know, the neuromelanin or the skin pigmentation, but you also talked about one time, um, regardless of race or ethnicity, each individual has the capacity to produce, you know, uh, mount wise, no different uh, than the other, because there is this other concept out there that the, where the confusion comes in with the skin pigmentation melanin, as opposed to the melanin we're talking about, that there's some uh, in some circles, people tend to think because you might be darker skinned uh, that you have more of the ability to produce this, and you were you were elaborating on that. Absolutely um, yeah. not. Absolutely not. That is, you know, that. I mean, I, I understand where the confusion arises, uh, and there is an intimate connection uh, between uh, uh, skin melanin and certain other brain processes, but that has very little to do with consciousness. That is very right. little to do with consciousness. Uh, people can have the different skin tones within the same family. Right. Correct. Right? That's within right. The same family, same, having the same DNA. So clearly it's not that. No, brain melanin is a different phenomenon. And if you open up uh, four people from different races, you might be able to see on the surface of their body that there's more or less melanin. But if you open up and look at their brains, you're not going to see much uh, overt differences, many overt differences. The differences right. are more subtle, for sure, but they have little to do with so-called ethnicity or race. 
And remember, remember, all human beings, can't state this enough, all human beings are rooted in the African template. And everything, all others are variations on a theme. So that the darkest of a dark African and the Asian and the European are all part of the same species. And that species springs from Africa, developed in Africa, and over millions of years evolved into a highly evolved creature in Africa. And it's only been the last few hundred thousand years that that creature has even begun to leave in large numbers in Africa. We've had variations move out of it, but our species, what's called Homo sapiens sapiens, thinking man, we are all right. uh, rooted in Africans. And in point of fact, finally, I want to emphasize this, what we think of as ethnicity or so-called surface race that we get so psychotic about for political reasons and historical reasons uh, has only been the case for about the last twenty-five to 30,000 years. Yes. Wow. Before that time, everybody right. looked African, including those in Europe. That's right. And it's only in the last twenty-five or 30,000 years because of adaptation to climate and phenotypical or surface changes to adapt to the climate, the surface of us has changed. You know, it's in a, war, in, a, uh, in a cold climate, it is adaptive to begin to develop long hair. In a, in a, in a very cold climate, blue eyes are more perceptive in the dark than brown eyes. Mm. You know? Uh, right. During, in, during the Korean War, there was a significantly higher percentage of um, of African Americans who developed frostbite than there were Europeans because the adaptation of the skin to coldness. So there's all kinds of stuff like this. These are all surface phenotypical changes. They have little or nothing to do with the deeper genetic and biological bases of our species because that's that's all the same. That's, that's right. all the same. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad you clarified that because, yeah, that, that becomes an issue in, 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 in some of these circles, unfortunately. And I wanted, I wanted the listeners to hear you. And it's um, a distraction. It becomes a distraction. I want, I want listeners to hear that. That's a distraction. If you get caught up in that distraction, you're not going to pay real attention to the real story that's going on. That's right. The real story that's going on. It's a little like to make a... To make a, a, a to make a, a, a timely political analogy, it's like the present president of the United States, Donald Trump, coming out with a new story or a new outrage <laughs> every right. other day just to keep you distracted from there the real go. story that's going on, which is how that's our right. government is being ripped apart. That's correct. You're right. So don't get, don't get lost in that distraction. Don't be seduced by those siren calls, because if you do, you won't pay attention to the real genie, the real mystery that's emerging from you. And, um, you know, that's the real story. Right. Okay, so what, what I want to go to, uh, it's in, in uh, Dark Light Consciousness in part one, actually on page 22, uh, the medical background of the uh, perennial science of how darkness unfolds the light. I want, I want you to speak a little bit on that and then the three levels 
of the triune brain. And and again, I, I want this is important because your viewpoint, in my opinion, I've said this before. I don't think there's a lot of people out there. There's so many different levels, you know, and everybody has their own thing that they do their own gifts. But I don't think nobody really gets into it on a medical and a psychological level like you do. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, speaking for myself. Uh, I, I think it's lacking, and I think this a lot of this stuff needs to be addressed, in my opinion, in circles. So if you could speak on that and the triune brain a little bit and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, what uh, what I was trying to do in that uh, chapter, beginning on, uh, I get, yeah, page 22, is uh, it, it's called Medical Background to the Perennial Science of How Darkness Unfolds the Light. What I was trying to do was point out how evolution itself Evolution itself is a matter of increasing uh, capacity of our brains and neural systems to absorb light, absorb light from the cosmos, literally photons, absorb light and transduce it to higher and higher levels of organization. And this is what the molecule melanin does in varying forms. There are different forms of melanin. Um, We're talking about the one in the brain. And it just so happens that as you emerge or you go higher and higher, at least on our planet, um, in evolution in terms of your cerebral uh, and mental uh, sophistication, you have higher and higher degrees of of neuromelanin in your spinal line and your brain. Of all the uh, animals, creatures on the earth, the ones with the highest amount of neuromelanin in their spines and particularly their brains are uh, the uh, mammals. Of all the mammals, the ones who have the highest amount of of neuromelanin in their spinal lines and the brains are the primates. Mm -hmm. Of all the primates, the ones with the highest ones are the great apes. Of all the great apes, the ones with the highest are uh, the uh, chimpanzee. And the only one, the only one with even more sophistication in their brains of of accessing uh, neuromelanin and transducing it to higher and higher orders of light are us, our species, homo sapiens sapiens. So to me, that's a pretty tight correlation. That's right. As evolution progresses, neuromelanin in our nervous systems gets more and more sophisticated. And um, the neuroscience backs that up. So that's why I think it's so important, such that you don't get distracted by that. Because if you get distracted by that, you'll get lost in a futile political and uh, pseudoscientific academic debates. And what you will not do, what you will not do, is you will not turn your attention to your nervous system, your brain, and begin to do some serious meditative spiritual work you can do all the rest of the stuff we need to do in society our families economically and so on and so forth you can continue to do that this is not a distraction from that but part of the gift of being a human being is to be self-reflective and doing this and harnessing science to do this will vastly accelerate your spiritual and your mental and your cognitive evolution right and that's an important, important part because now when you're talking about the human nervous system in this same chapter, and I believe it's a few, a uh, couple pages down, it might be, I think somewhere on page 36, I believe, 
Um, you talk about the anatomy, the anatomy of the earth and the human, the human nervous system, the importance. Of, well, let's first talk about this because we know when somebody, when, when we deal with uh, just basic stuff, and again, obviously I'm not a doctor, but when we have certain levels of stress or the nervous system is out of whack, how important, I know a lot of people talk about the micro and the macrocosm, how important is a good function in nervous system in, in relation to your spirituality and the functioning of what we're talking about with the mind and things of that nature. And maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that section, uh, the anatomy of the earth and how that connects kind of to our nervous system and, and the proper functioning and health of it, if you could. Well, uh, it's my uh, uh, belief, my position, which I hope I substantiated, that uh, it's really, really, really helpful in your physical and mental health to be psychologically and, and uh, mentally stable. Okay. Mm. Well, that means is you don't have to be a super optimist, uh, but um, for you to be able to be psychologically and cognitively clear really, really, right. really helps in your, your spiritual and mental uh, development. It, it's sort of like the base. It's sort of like the foundation. And when that is there, then you can progress upon that foundation and go much further. Now, when you were talking about the uh, making a connection between the uh, anatomy of the earth and the human nervous system, what I noticed and what I pointed out and what I tried to substantiate is that um, something that the ancients discovered a long, long time ago. In the Memphite uh, theology of ancient Egypt, um, they, ex they talk in some detail about uh, energies and powers at the center of the earth. In the West African uh, traditions of, uh, of, of uh, Vudan, Ifa, and others that are spread to uh, the Caribbean and South America, there is right. this notion that there is a coiling energy at the base of the earth that through spiritual practice is awakened and brought up. In southern India, particularly Dravidian India, there are traditions of what's called uh, uh, yoga, in which the whole point is to quiet and still the mind such that the energy right. at the base of the mind can be brought up. In Western um, medicine, uh, the roots of that is, as we mentioned earlier, that, that medical caduceus. That's, a, that's a, literally an image of that. In China right. and in Tibet are the same references. So these are universal. What Correct. they're doing is they're picking up on something. The human nervous system is picking up on a real activity that's going on with its nervous system and the earth. Well, what's that, what's that phenomenon in the earth? Well, it just so happens that the surface of the earth is covered with, obviously, water and obviously right. solid uh, uh, matter. Okay? If you go down into uh, the earth... Um, Oh, uh, 600, uh, uh, six, 700 miles or so. Um, the there is a, a an upper mantle of solid rock. It, 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 I should say it's comprised of solid rock. Below this, however, uh, down to around uh, 2,800, 3,000 kilometers, which is about 1,700 miles or so below the surface, uh, the mantle, uh, the solid mantle becomes liquid, becomes liquid. That's what volcanoes tap into, that liquid, that molten stuff at the center of the earth. Well, right. the whole uh, coiling thing 
I mean, the whole inner cycle of our inner uh, say, uh, system of the earth is molten uh, stone and metal, literally. Then, and right. then at the very core of the earth is a solid, very solid, hard metal. So the center of the earth is a smaller ball, okay? And it's very important that that ball in the center of the earth is spinning. It's, but it's spinning faster than the surface. And it creates a kind of a coiling sensation. You know, if you can visualize the center right. of the earth as a round ball that's spinning faster than the surface, you can see how it would spin little, little spirals up. Well, those are, electro, those right. are magnetic spirals. Well, the human nervous system can pick up on that. In deep meditation, mm. when the surface of the mind is quieted, your internal uh, uh, system senses it. And that's what all these traditions have done, and they've given voice right. to it. And all I did was uh, go in and notice physical phenomena, and then uh, the reports of our ancestors for you know, millennia about this, and simply bring the two together. So I didn't, like, create anything. All I did was point to something that's already going on out. Right. Right. Um, and it kind of when you, you touched on kind of the next next part uh, in this same section, I, there's a short uh, paragraph here I want to read, if you can let It's in the section on page 41, Conscious Energy and the Space-Time Continuum, because you kind of you brought some of those things up and some of the things you were just talking about. But this particular paragraph on page 41, I just want to read it, and, and maybe you can elaborate on this. Um, and, and, you, and you wrote, the geomagnetic and electromagnetically generated field passing upward and over the surface of the Earth is believed to create a grid of electromagnetic and gravitationally interwined lines of force. Some esoteric systems claim that they extend into space beyond the Earth in a planetary grid system. These subtle lines of force were actively perceived by the ancients to be a kind of living nervous system of energy for the earth, similar to the meridian energy or chi or key lines of the body and acupuncture. Temples, churches, and eventually graveyards were historically aligned with these perceived lines of force. They were also perceived to be aligned with the natural markers and monuments on the surface of the earth. Over the millennia, they became the fabled spirit pathways, navigated or followed by the dead, shamans, and OBE, or out-of-body experiences, as they moved along them on the earth in spiritual flight. The reason why I pointed that out, and I would like you to elaborate on this, how, in an aspect of how we connect, uh, I don't want to say, well, the realm of the dead or the spirit world, or how we tap into the energy of our ancestors and things of that nature, can you kind of maybe elaborate a little bit on that particular paragraph? Because there's a lot in that paragraph. Well, what we were, what we were talking about was, uh, connecting it to a couple of minutes ago, is that, the, that right. at the center of the earth, that coiling ball will create a spiraling within a, the larger ball, so to speak, of the earth. And that spinning within a spin creates spirals, okay, like whirls mm -hmm. coming up to the surface. And when it reaches the surface, they become sort of like lines, or curved lines on the surface for sure, but lines on the, on the surface, and they also extend out into the space. The center of the Earth is clearly a uh, gravitational phenomena, and it's also an electromagnetic phenomena. 
and right. the, the the great uh, unsolved mystery of Einstein's uh, general theory of relativity is bringing together not only um, the uh, three fundamental known forces, electromagnetism and um, uh, the weak force and the strong force, they call, but also the phenomenon of gravity. And we still haven't mathematically worked that out yet. There have been different attempts by the physicists over time, but nobody has totally done it yet. But yeah. that's not critical here because physically human beings kind of have tapped into it already and kind of know it. You can feel it. You see, you can feel it. And those lines spread all over the earth and they spread out to the other uh, geomagnetic bodies in our system. I mean, you know, the stars uh, exert an electromagnetic force on the earth. Um, different celestial bodies have a gravitational pull to each other. I mean, that's how many planet, that's how some planets in our solar system were discovered. There were aberrations in the the uh, the orbit of certain planets because they they were being affected by the gravitational field of other planets that we didn't know about, and so they were able to deduce those planets that they couldn't see because of the aberration in other uh, gravit uh, other uh, orbits based upon gravity. So my point right. is that that. Human beings feel that. We don't feel the forces inside of the atom, what's called the strong mm. force. We don't feel that. But we do feel electromagnetism. You know, right. you get a static charge. You feel electromagnetism. Most of the phenomenon of the world that we actually interact with and see is based on electromagnetism. We, that's, you know, that's what holds uh, furniture together. That's what structures our physical uh, universe. And the other that we know is gravity. We feel gravity. You feel gravity. You right. jump up and down. You, I mean, that's what gravity is. What's not so uh, well known is that gravity also uh, is deeply woven with uh, changes of space. And that's what that's what relativity theory is about. It's about how gravity tends to warp, tends to curve physical space, and it also affects what's called space and time. And we're not getting too far afield, but space and time have been unified through general relativity theory into a phenomenon called space-time, okay? Right. And so gravity and large masses warp that, that, that gravity, I mean, warp the, uh, the the field around an object, and human beings feel that. You can feel it, and is and is space time, and so space time is not an absolute thing. Depending on how close you are to a massive gravitational object, space and time change. That's that's what a black hole is in space. You heard right. of a black hole? Yeah. Well, thinking about a black hole is you get so close to it that when you do, space and time slow down. Yeah, they slow down. And if you get too That's close to it, you slip into it and you can't get out of it. That's right. It's like a vacuum. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. Um, yeah, but one, one last thing I just wanted to add to that is just to make, just, to, just to clarify and simplify it for folks so that you can get uh, what we mean by traveling along yeah. these lines. Sure. You know what... Uh, you know how birds navigate uh, when they go south? They yes. have a little geomagnetic 
uh, monitor in their brains that picks up the gravitational lines of the Earth, and that's what they follow. It's like a magnetic thing. Well, a similar uh, is the case uh, when we are no longer in our the way we usually are in our bodies, but we're in some other kind of altered state, either uh, through uh, an out-of-body experience, which is real, or we're doing some sort of a spiritual phenomenon in which we are traveling in our uh, in our consciousness, and that's real also. That's been demonstrated in the laboratory. It's just that it's taboo, but it's been demonstrated in the laboratory thousands of times. Uh, it's affected by that. And my supposition is that uh, the great... Uh, spiritual masters, shamans, and our ancestors um, were able to and still do perceive those lines. And as far as uh, history is concerned, the great uh, uh, churches and temples of uh, humankind are laid out along these powerful lines. They're not randomly Mm -hmm. distributed. They're not randomly distributed. Right. That's a good point. And I'm glad you have simplified it so maybe people can grasp it a little more. Um, now, you've talked a little bit about this one time when you were here, and when we get further in this uh, same section, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about, um, you made a statement last time here about the Kundalini energy uh, always not being pleasant. But first, uh, the rise of the serpent, when you get into the section of the torque and the twist and uh, the serpentine energy in, in, in relation to our chakras uh, as energy vortexes. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that, and then I want you to kind of connect that when you make that statement, because I think sometimes people uh, working with Kundalini energy, you know, obviously myself from experience, it isn't all always pleasant and what sometimes it's portrayed as. So if you can talk a little bit about that um, using this serpentine energy um and in its in its correlation to our chakras and how that can be beneficial for us and our spiritual growth well uh folks who are listening um visualize this you have a uh a brain clearly that has a certain shape and out of the back of your brain there's a long line that goes down into your spinal line almost uh out of the brain to the spinal line almost to the base of the spine and is covered, uh, I should say, it's in, inside, um, is that neuromelanin con- line that we talk about. It's, it's a, literally a neural line. It conducts energy um, from uh, near the bottom of the spine up into the uh, brain and back down again. Right. That line is the line in which evolution has emerged in our, in our species. Mm-hmm. And... Um, to awaken the energy along that line is often, very often, the sole purpose of many of the different kinds of spiritual traditions. Because when you do do that, um, your capacity to perceive uh, internal energy, literally luminosity, light luminosity, increases <laughs> radically. And the different spiritual techniques of various kinds and various disciplines and various schools and varying cultures and histories is about finding a way to stimulate that and to make that move up and that is what kundalini energy is about kundalini is literally the the uh, the uh, dravidian indian word for the at uh the shape of the shape of it is like a serpent and it's awakening that 
and bringing it up to the top of the skull. In ancient Kemetic Egypt, they refer to that as the Uraeus serpent. In South right. America, they have other names for it. But what's critical is that its particular shape. Think about your spine now. Your spine is not a straight line. Your spine curves. Right. Okay? Well, imagine awakening an electrical current along that curving line, and you have a, a, a sort of an analogy of what that would mean if you were awakening that Kundalini energy. And you just don't right. do that randomly. I mean, you have to be trained and prepared for that. I mean, it's, right. to do that without training is, is analogous to uh, somebody knowing about um, electricity and saying, well, you know what, I don't need to go become an electrician. All I got to do is, is figure out how to, make, how to turn electricity on here and go do this with it. Well, you'll right. get yourself into some serious trouble. If you do That's that, right. you have to be prepared for it. That's why you right. go to school and you get training and you're an internship and you become an electrician, right? Correct. It's the Correct. same. It's the same thing. Um, so uh, you approach spirituality with the same degree of of, of respect that you approach uh, medicine, that you approach uh, the other sciences, and it's okay to think, to experiment, to read, to compare things with your experience and your experience with other people's experience because um, it's extremely important and it's also the case that it's possible to uh, get into a complicated situation if you don't have any preparation for it. Mm. So that's, uh, I guess, what, so for listeners listening, that's where the painful aspect can come in, correct? Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you clarified that. Now, another interesting section here, and I, I really want you to explain this. Um, I know early in there when you talk about the eye, you know, psychology, psychiatry, and, and psychopathology, but there's a section on page 57 where you talk about the trans, and I, I would like, like you to really explain this clearly, the trans-dimensional self and its, and its um, mobile center of consciousness. And can you please be very clear when you use that term in this section, trans-dimensional, uh, to listeners, what you exactly were referring to? Yes, what I was referring to when I said transdimensional consciousness, if you, if you follow pretty much any spiritual tradition in depth, pretty much any developed spiritual tradition in depth, you will find a way to gradually decrease the traditional, conventional ways in which your, your consciousness is bound. What does that mm -hmm. mean? Uh, if you... Uh, sit in any particular <coughs> meditative discipline or if you dance in any particular meditative uh, spiritual tradition or if you sing in any particular spiritual tradition, after a while you'll notice that there's a slight separation between your physical self and your mental self. Okay? Correct. Uh, in extreme uh, situations of crisis, people have uh, what's called OBE or out-of-body experiences in which the the, the the conscious principle is made to separate what's called dissociate, separate from your physical self, okay? Mm. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's not okay, but sometimes it, it's a good thing, uh, especially when you're in extreme uh, pain. Or people use uh, clinical hypnosis a lot to help a person learn how to control pain by disassociating their physical experience 
from their mental experience, okay? So dissociation is a, is a common human uh, phenomenon. Unfortunately, it's been trapped by psychiatry and psychology and made into a pathological negative thing, but it's inherently a human uh, capacity. Well, if you follow any tradition far enough down the road, you'll notice that after a while there will be there are particular kinds of ways for you to do that and then you get a sense that actually my physical self my physical body is not totally one-on-one -on -one correlated all the time with my <clears throat> psychological or mental self and you notice that it can move around that's what the spiritual disciplines are many of the spiritual disciplines meditative disciplines are about is it moving around and um, so if you continue along in that particular discipline it eventually dawns on you that yourself is not the same as your physical self okay so that's 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 the uh, that's the uh, um, the uh, trans-dimensional uh, other rather that's the mobile center of consciousness it move it can move right. around the eye what do we mean by right. transdimensional? Well, um, when you go to when you go to bed at night, and you're laying there in bed, you're aware that you are uh, a physical being, length, depth, height, weight, whatever. Okay, you're aware of that. At some right. point, at some point, you drift off, quote, to sleep, unquote, and then you have some sort of dream experience. Well, when you're having that dream experience, your relationship with your body feels as real as when you are in a waking state, only the dynamics are different. You can fly in your dreams. You can go back in time in your dreams. You can go forward in your dreams. Right. You can be killed in your dreams. You can, right. be, you can have lots of different experiences in your dreams which feel just as real as when you were awake. Correct. Okay? Right. So that's... And uh, very importantly, based upon what we were saying earlier, you notice that space and time and gravity are different when you're, when you're dreaming. Space is That's different, right. time is different, and gravity is different. You can fly. You can do lots of other kinds of things when you're dreaming. So it shows how malleable it is. We know that's the case when we're awake, but it's more of an intellectual understanding of that. You know, the nature of space-time and all of that. But that's an, that's an intellectual understanding of that, which is certainly valuable. When you're actually sleeping and dreaming, you experientially know that. Hmm? And Correct. then you can, move through, you can move through the dimension of height, depth, and width, the physical, the spatial dimensions. You can also move through the fourth dimension, which is the dimension of time. And mm -hmm. if you learn how to meditate or you have an experience, a spiritual experience of one kind or another, when you are certainly dreaming, but also when you are awake, you are aware that in addition to the three physical states, height, depth, width, and the other dimension of time, that you're also aware of a fifth dimension. That dimension, mm. is, the, that dimension is the dimension of light. Correct. Light. Correct. I, I think it's interesting uh, to me in, 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 in African-American culture that the group that brought that idea very prominently uh, uh, out 
uh, interestingly enough, with a group called the Fifth Dimension. That's right. That's right. That's and correct. and the the person who outlined that in physics, in physics in the early nineteen mm-hmm. thirties uh, in Europe, was right. a, uh, a a man a German, and, uh, and uh, he outlined the uh, the fifth dimension in physics, and his name was Schwarzschild. Mm. You know what mm. Schwarzschild means in German? No. Black child. Ah. These kind of things sort of ripple through our consciousness, you know. You know what? I I heard the name familiar with him, but I never 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 knew till you just elaborated on that. Yeah, he he he's the one that explored the fifth dimension in physics, and then we have a group called the Fifth Dimension, black people, and then the name of the, his name is Schwarzschild. I mean, these things are just interesting, kind of like, uh, you know, you get a, you get a sense that there's another level of reality. Sure. Going on here that has a sense right. of humor. Right. Now, now I want to I want to based on what you just described, and it's gonna it's gonna piggyback into the next question I want to ask you in relation to this. Now, you know, in in many different esoterical circles, metaphysics, you hear this term sometimes used that we are whole light beings, and you mentioned the fifth dimension, uh, you know, dimension of light. Um, is it, are people in some of these areas of consciousness, are they trying to get us to kind of, the way you broke it down is very easy to relate to. Is this, you know, an aspect that we should con- we can connect with to try to get an understanding when you mentioned fifth dimension, the dimension of light, and what's the correlation? Like, for example, in the, in the esoteric schools, uh, uh, I know the Rosicrucian order teaches that, um, which you just talked about in, in, in very similar fashion to the fifth dimension or dimension of light. Um, yeah. Is there a correlation? Yeah. Yes, there is. There is a, a very intimate correlation because, again, your spinal line and the whole surface of your brain and critical areas of the inside of the core of your brain are suffused, covered, bathed in neuromelanin. And neuromelanin absorbs light and it transduces what your physical element is into the element of you, aspect of you that is light. Your most intimate experience, your most intimate experience in consciousness is with light. That is how you know Mm. yourself. You are a light, and your light is projected. This is important. The light of what you are is projected into space and time. In physics, mm. in physics, light is not a property of of um, of the three dimensions of of space and the fourth dimension of time. No, light uses those for other dimensions to project itself into. Light is a dimension above and beyond those dimensions. And that is the dimension in which we dwell. That is what all the meditative traditions try to get you to do. They try to get you to quiet your mind, quiet your physical self, so that you can hear deep down what you are. Somewhere in the Bible, it says, be still, and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. That is Correct. a that is not only a a, uh, a a beautiful phrase, but is also a scientifically accurate phrase. Correct. Correct. Now, different uh, techniques 
are about getting to that state. Right. Correct. Hundred percent. Now, in relation to what we're talking about, I know we briefly in the past this came up. We didn't really go super in depth to it. When we're talking about this transdimensional self, right? How in in relation? Because I I mentioned to you this before in the past. You know, some people are very uh, maybe people that are not uh, conscious. When we talk about the African spiritual systems, let's say of uh, you know Vudon, Ifa, or any of these systems. Uh, and I hate to use this word, I just don't like it because people tend to negative things come to their mind, a spirit possession, when the spirit mounts an individual or when yeah. some taps into the divine of the spirit. How does this connect to the transdimensional self and what's the pro in, in your words, because I know you touched on a little bit, what, how, do we, how do we scientifically explain uh, from a more detailed aspect of spirit mounting, spirit possession, in relationship to this, that's what we're talking about. Well, it, it, we don't really scientifically explain it, but we can sort of scientifically and medically describe it, okay? I got you. And uh, it, there, there is a difference. I mean, the phenomenon, oh. when, when, say when a person is doing a, a, a particular dance, it can be a, a Vudan dance or it can be some other variation of a theme, but the point is they become so identified with the dance that they begin to be to move automatically, begin to move right. automatically. And in the process of moving automatically, dimensions that are <clears throat> beyond this dimension, and there are, in string theory, 11 dimensions to the material, to the universe, okay? Not just our four that we know. There are right. you know, in, several others. Well, as you begin to move into it and you enter into the discipline, I want to underline the word discipline, Enter into mm -hmm. the discipline, your individual consciousness it gets quieted and it becomes absorbed by a uh -huh. greater consciousness. That is what is meant in the in the West African systems in particular of being mounted by the loa, or right. what's called spirit possession. It's gotten a bad name because uh, who who has defined that is Western writers primarily, Correct. who who Correct. are interested in demonizing. African spirituality, and they needed to Correct. do that for political reasons. And be, you, were, you, were, you, were, you were taking people and making slaves out of them. You, you can't. So Correct. you have to, you have to demonize. You have to belittle. You have to denigrate that. <coughs> but in the core of that is a profound spiritual uh, discipline, and that is of, a, of of quieting your own mind and body such that they can be absorbed into something that's higher. And that is what it means to be absorbed by the law of, of spirit possession. And it's interesting, I know a lot of your listeners are, are aware of this, depending on which particular law or spirit in the different, different disciplines it is, there's a particular Correct. signature dance that emerges. That's that right. that law lets you know who and what it is. Correct. So... Uh, this is something that's probably not going to uh, begin to be seriously explored by clinicians and physicians and healers uh, for another right. couple of decades. But the genius of the African uh, spiritual traditions and its effect on the physical body uh, has yet to be manifested in a non-pejorative way. And I'm hoping people out there are listening because um, it, is, it, is, it is there. And we use mm -hmm. vibration and sound and many other ways to heal. Well, you can also do that in this particular system.
And so Correct. I've only tried to sort of outline how that happens, uh, but it's only the barest uh, outline of that. There's so, so, so much more. Correct. And you segued into where I was going to go. I know this isn't a whole different section of the book, but real quick, in a few moments, just for all the listeners, uh, in a few moments, we're going to start taking questions uh, for Dr. Bynum. I know a bunch of have already typed uh, some in the chat, um, but I just want to put the uh, call-in information. If you decide you would like to call in via whatever platform you're watching and you want to call in on the phone and ask your question, uh, the call-in number here at Primordial Chaos Radio is 605 five six two zero four 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 the id number it'll ask you for is one three four seven seven eight pound and then it's going to ask you for a pin number which is the number one and the pound symbol if you would like to call in live via the youtube uh platform just uh put that in the type room i will send you the link you can come in live and ask your question live that way or if you prefer to just type in the chat. So you have three methods where you can get your questions over to Dr. Bynum. Um, and I will just go in order. I'm not picking any uh, particular order. I just take them as they come. Um, and I will try my best uh, to get to as many and many of those questions as I can. Uh, but what I want to do, real, you mentioned uh, sound and vibration. And I can't record, you might probably know better than me because you wrote the book. Uh, somewhere in the book, you have a whole section on the breakdown of inner ear melanin in the ear. You get into depth about the effects of sound and vibration. Now, I wanted to kind of piggyback that into, since we were talking about these traditions and this this whole concept of being mounted by the low hour spirits and some of these traditions, how important, and in correlation to the drum, for an example, this sound and vibration, and, and I, this is a part of the body, I don't think. The, the intricate internals of it and the effects of these vibrations, I don't think it's focused on enough in spirituality. How important um, is this, the sound and vibration con concept and how it affects us? Because it, that can work both ways. Can, can you elaborate a little on that? Because we yeah, know the vibrations work, uh, tone. It can work both ways. But I mean, um, if, if someone goes, if, uh, let's, let's take a really concrete uh, example of it. If a person for, for whatever reasons, uh, needs to uh, go into um, uh, uh, therapy uh, and, and surgery, and they will often use very sophisticated uh, lasers for the uh, surgery, okay? Um, and it's cleaner than the, the scalpels used to be and so on and so forth. Okay, that's, that's one example. If a person right. has... For whatever reason, they need to uh, uh, kill, uh, destroy certain cells in the body that are malignant. Uh, they use radiation. Well, radiation is vibration and light. Okay? Mm. That's vibration and light that you're using. Okay? If you uh, are in a med uh, go into deep prayer or meditation of one kind or another, uh, the coordination of your breathing and your heartbeat will put you into a uh, trance state in which your surface mind is quieted and your deeper mind is able to focus, so to speak, like focus a laser, it's able to focus uh, better, okay? Uh, sometimes for some advanced meditators, uh, the, the coordination of their heart rate and the coordination of their breathing uh, come together and synchronize 
with the vibration of the earth, literally electromagnetic field around the earth. The, uh, the uh, heart rhythm can go down to uh, six, uh, rather uh, seven to eight hertz uh, cycles per second. Uh, you can get the breathing down that low sometimes. And there's also mm-hmm. an electromagnetic bounce between the surface of the earth and the ionosphere that can coordinate with that breathing. Well, when you get into that particular rhythm, uh, your, your, your consciousness uh, changes. Uh, so there's another instance in which rhythm and entrainment profoundly affects your consciousness. And then one other one is that if you uh, use certain kind of disciplines of sometimes uh, dance or sometimes uh, uh, quiet stillness uh, meditation, you can get your, uh, gland, particularly your pineal gland, to vibrate. And when it vibrates in a certain way, it affects your consciousness. So all of these are different ways in which rhythm and vibration and entrainment interact with the, uh, the radiation or the, radiate, the, the way that your body is vibrating. Radiation is vibration, okay? It's very high-level mm-hmm. vibration. It's vibration. Okay? That's right. Uh, when you hear a, a music or a record uh, recording or you go to a concert, that's about vibration. Okay? When you um, uh, 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 we use the phrase, I, I got a good vibe or I got a bad vibe and so forth. These are all right. just sort of everyday references to the fact that our universe and our internal universe is pervaded by rhythm and vibration. So it's a matter of harnessing that. And the African traditions in particular, particularly the West African traditions, which have spread again to the Caribbean and South America, are unusually rich in this particular series or sets of disciplines. And I'm just hoping that uh, those of you listening who are in you know, writers or artists or in, medic- or in medical school or graduate schools of one kind or another can sort of like begin to think about that a little bit because there's a way in which what you're already doing can be tied to this kind of research. It's all about rhythm and vibration. And uh, right. that is what we're talking about here. Correct. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to bring in my coach, Raven. Uh, heck, I know she has a few questions for you. So why don't you go ahead and uh, forward them to Dr. Bynum. Good Hello. evening. I hope you can hear me okay. Yes, I can. You're good. Yes, good to meet okay, you. Okay, thank you. Good, good, perfect. Um, uh, I, I have been following the conversation and and I'm like, okay, wow, this, this, is, this is a lot. Um, I have been delving into the um, African arts, right? Um, the book, the book, your book, uh, the African unconscious. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And everything you're touching on, kind of. Everybody is in the book. Because okay. Repeat that. Raven, repeat that last section. You went yeah, out. You, you yeah, your voice floor. is breaking up. So would you repeat that for me? Appreciate it. Oh yes, I know. Um, most of the, I mean, the conversation is really a lot of the things been spoken about. Um, is also spoken about in the African unconscious. Uh, 
Um, and when you're when you're speaking about the because um, when you guys was talking about the Kundalini, right? And I can't. Mm -hmm. I was trying to find the section where I read it in the uh, African unconscious, uh, but I can't. So my apologies. So you speak about that all of all of our experiences, all of our um, well, the unconscious goes back to the very very beginning. And if I'm understanding this correctly, because I want to try to tie it into the Kundalini, is that when we are um, trying to raise our Kundalini uh, or having that experience, are those experiences tied back to all of that history or, or um, all of that unconsciousness that has came before you? Uh, I would say, uh, from my point of view, uh, yes. Um, we were uh, we were we before we were I, and um, the uh, human beings live for untold millennia in sort of a you know a state of consciousness. <coughs> in which we were we were fighting to be able to to think. You know, we were mostly a emotions, fears, awes, terrors, and so on and so forth. But it took us, you know, uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years to have sustained thoughts. Today we do, we take it for, for granted. But it took us a long time to move up to the point where we have thoughts and insights that we can sort of organize. Well, the, the, that, that, that Kundalini energy has been with us this whole time. And we've kind of been vaguely aware of it, but we haven't. We've been difficult. It's been difficult to articulate it, and it's only really in the past, probably uh, twenty-five or thirty thousand years that we've been able to have some general concept of it. There are civilizations before our current one that were very highly evolved, that were very sophisticated in this area, and all those civilizations, as you well know, fell for many different reasons. Well, here we are. And we're beginning to explore it uh, again, but it's not that it's because it's new. It's, it's always been there. It's just that it's becoming more intensified now. And there are lots of different uh, causes and reasons uh, for that. But the point is, is that we're beginning to sort of study it on a widespread basis. You know, back in ancient times, um, uh, spirituality in, uh, was relegated uh, to be the prized possessions of the, of the priesthoods, you know? They're the ones who yeah. knew about it, and uh, we were kind of like on the outs to that. We knew something was going on, but it was a secret kind of society and stuff. Well, it's not so secret these days. It's, it's out in the open. And part of my work and what I'm trying, trying to do is make this more public so that it's more uh, accessible to more and more and more of us, just like in general education. Like, uh, you know, uh, you know, 500 years ago, only a small percentage of human beings could read or write. That was a relatively unusual situation. Most people could not read or write. You didn't have to, but most people didn't read or write. Now today, most people can read or write. Hmm? Well, it's education. Well, this is the same sort of thing. This is our birthright. This is our birthright. And, is, and, and becoming more and more conscious is what we are as a species.
and I would argue, I believe, I sense deeply that we are moving from a state of relative uh, uh, intelligent consciousness to a higher state of and eventually a super conscious state. I believe that's where where evolution is taking us from normal consciousness to a higher consciousness to a, 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 a very high creative consciousness to an intuitive consciousness and then above that to uh, you know an overmind state where all deep religions come from and then eventually where the great mystics empty into the superconscious state and that is a state of at one attunement with whatever the the divine essence is which is beyond our our four known senses and beyond the five dimensions we know but it moves into those other dimensions and I believe that's where evolution is taking us I believe that's where evolution is taking us where we will ultimately go as a species I mean we don't exterminate ourselves in the process and I believe <laughs> and I believe that we periodically receive help I don't, I don't think we're the only intelligent beings around. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, that, that I, yeah, that I 100%. You were speaking of the, um, the African diaspora, uh, West Africa, as you, as you do, um, in your books. Uh, you know, let me, I don't know if you have. Um, my apologies, but I think I'm going to do it while I have the while I have the floor. So, Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum, every three of his books, um, and a wealth of knowledge. I mean, uh, I have to read, put them down. There's a lot of information just to absorb, but it is it's they're written clear, but just a lot of information. <laughs> what I'm speaking of is the African unconscious, the roots of the roots of ancient mysticism and modern psychology. When he was speaking about psychology, uh, and um, and then there's the roots of transcendence. It's also a great book um, by Dr. Edward Bruce for Dark Light Consciousness. Um, just to let everyone know, it'll kind of put to me. Um, to absorb dark light consciousness. So I just I just want to say that by by reading the the, the first two or the other two um, books, just so everyone know that because you in the diaspora uh, and you're talking about rhythm and vibration and and you also touch on not only just across this knowledge, you know, one i.e. about the Kundalini. Um, and that they were mostly the same thing. Um, that um, that was mostly held by not raised or what you need to do to raise the Kundalini. Mostly held by priests and shamans, like shamans in um, you know the diaspora, South America. And but then it was held by priests and healers in the African tradition. 
Is is that correct? Uh, your voice. I'm. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, but your voice is sort of breaking up. I. Yeah, I don't know if we have a bad connection. Maybe you could repeat the question because uh, I'm I'm having a difficulty sort of hearing it completely yeah. over here. Yeah, you were going in and out. It was a little choppy. I don't know if you can maybe come in through the other platform if that'll help um, or, or try to ask your question again, Steve. Well, I can definitely try to come in on the other platform. Um, uh, we can hear you I now. Well, well, the question was, was the, the, the knowledge of raising the Kundalini, was it in regards to the um, African tradition, was it mostly held by priests and healers um, yes. more so than in the spiritual systems sense? Okay, yes. go ahead. Yes, this, this, is, this is the province of, of the priests and the healers, and that's not unusual. That's the way it is and was and still is in most uh, societies. I mean, uh, that was certainly the case and still is in uh you know tibetan mysticism and uh and mysticism of india i mean that's 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 a sociological cultural phenomena that all uh human cultures have there's there's exoteric religion and then there's esoteric religion and the exoteric is 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 what is usually commonly known and and people will go to church and or the temple, or whatever it is, and they will go through the various rituals that that help bind the community together and and and, and make life meaningful and so forth. Um, and then there are the the esoteric traditions in which people get into. Well, how do you know that? What is the epistemology of of this? Uh, and people <laughs> want to uh, have the direct experience of the divine. They don't want to the uh, believing is very important and certainly necessary, but they want to know from the interior. And so by going into the esoteric traditions, one learns directly. And so there, so revelation is not something you read about in a book. Revelation is something you experience in your own life, your own heart, your own experience. And... Uh, <clears throat> All the great spiritual tradition, uh, teachers, they come from the path of revelation, whatever their particular inner vision might be. They reach a certain level of, hum of consciousness. They go beyond traditional consciousness, and they dip into a higher and deeper wellspring of consciousness, and they are the great heroes and heroines of our species because they bring back that new knowledge to us. And then they, 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 they quicken our own collective evolution further and further along. That has been the way it has been with us as a species since time immemorial, you know. The great heroes, the great heroines go into the cave, they go to the bottom of the ocean, they go to the top of the mountain, they, you know, they look over and they, they have the vision and then they bring it back to us, you know, and then we assimilate it. And um, right. that is, that is, that is, that is, uh, <laughs> that's how it works for us. <laughs> wow, that was a lot. Um, Raven, do you have any more questions for Dr. Bynum? What did you, did you, oh, I think she went to switch. All right, so what I'm going to do while she's coming back in on the other platform, I'm going to rotate here between, um, the callers on, uh, or the questions on both platforms. Let me go to the chat over here on, uh, YouTube here. Um, I'm getting, I'm going to start from the top and again, I'll do my best to get to the majority of these questions. Um, the first one here, um, was earlier. This is from, 
uh, Sister Oni. Um, she should ask the question about uh, are all all of our organs covered when we were talking about this uh, neuromelanin earlier, this the, the universal melanin that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and that's pretty much the uh, straightforward uh, aspect of the question. Or what percentage of our organs or are all our organs covered in this melanin? All of our organs, all of our internal organs are covered in melanin, not neuromelanin. Neuromelanin, again, is a brain phenomenon, but are all covered right. with, with, with melanin of different degrees of, uh, of, of, of uh, pigmentation. Your heart is covered with melanin. You, you know, all the right. internal organs are covered by skin. All of right. our organs, your heart has skin, your GI tract has skin, uh, your liver has skin, uh, your kidneys have skin. All of our, all of our internal organs are covered in their own skin, okay? And that skin are varying degrees of pigmentation of melanin, okay? The darkest of that is the brain and this, the, uh, the, the neural system uh, of uh, the brain and, and the internal spinal line. But they all have melanin, and uh, the neuromelanin or brain melanin is, is, is concentrated in the internal spine. There is literally a river of dark living matter, of neural matter, in your spinal line that goes up into your brain. And as it crosses over from the uh, lower ventricles of the brain to the other parts of the brain, it reverses, and the surface becomes dark primarily. Like in the spinal line, the surface, uh, the outer part of it is white, and the, uh, uh, the, the internal is dark. When it reaches up and finally moves into the brain, uh, the surface becomes dark, and a lot of the internal becomes light or white, except for critical areas of that pigment. So the brain is still largely a mystery to us, but we know that much about it. And that neuromelanin, that gray matter, is what is deeply and intimately associated with our consciousness, our our, our awareness. Hmm? And right. uh, that's what we're kind of like uh, talking about. You know, one of the interesting things about neuromelanin, and people don't, we don't really know why, but it, seem, but it is the case that under certain conditions, that neuromelanin can magnify its conductivity by a factor of 10. Hmm. In other words, mm. it can become very, very highly refined and move, almost like what they refer to as superconductivity. Uh, it's not quite the same, but it, it, is, it is the ability to be efficient in the transfer of energy is what that's about. And uh, that is what uh, our, our species uh, is able to uh, do for reasons that are still pretty mysterious to us. <clears throat> right, good point. All right, so let me uh, bring in a call, and then I'm going to go back to the chat. Uh, let's bring in, uh, this is Duma. Let me bring you in. Duma, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, you are on live with Dr. Bynum. Go ahead and ask your question. Well, greetings, Dr. Bynum. Greetings. Um, my uh, question is about uh, the certain symbolisms in certain cultures uh, be it the Urais of the Egyptians or the Sahasara of the uh, Indians and how that related uh, to the uh, neuromelanin and kundalini energy. 
from my understanding, uh, particularly with the Uraeus serpent, the Uraeus serpent is a, uh, um, a, a, a parallel of the, um, uh, the perceived internal serpent of the spinal line and the, uh, the brain, particularly the lower sections of the brain, and also the convolutions of our brain itself. Um, uh, the, the way the, the, the spinal line is structured, it comes up into the brain, and then it goes through the lower part of the brain, and then it goes through various sections within the corridor of the brain, and uh, through the brain stem, um, the different hemispheres of the uh, brain, and so forth. It's fairly complex, but there's a, a line of neuromelanin that then goes off in lots of different directions as it becomes more sophisticated inside of the uh, inside of the brain. Um, we are still in our infancy in terms of understanding it, but we do know that we can sort of like feel it, and um, um, it feels when it's activated. When it's activated, particularly along the spine, it feels serpentine in its motion. That is how it physically feels. Uh, many people can tell you that in their spiritual practice. I certainly experience that in mine all the time. <laughs> it happens actually when I'm not even seriously practicing. It just happens. But you could ask people in their spiritual practice, and they will tell you that there is sort of a movement of that. And it happens symbolically also. In the West, their West African traditions, uh, particularly on the, on the coastal regions of Vudan, they don't do it as much anymore, but part of the ceremony was symbolically to awaken that serpent. The understanding was that at the core of the earth, there were 3,500, this is their symbolic expression of mm -hmm. this now, were 3,500 uh, coils at the center of the earth. This is how they symbolically represented it. And the nature of the spiritual practice was to raise that up from the bottom of the earth through one's own body and spinal line. And so they went so far as to a person being initiated would sit on top of a, of a uh, barrel or a basket, protected, but sit on top of a barrel or a basket, and in the basket itself underneath them was a serpent. Okay, well, that was a symbolic sort of way to, to express the raising of that energy through the lower spinal area all the way up. Uh, through the body. Uh, in the um, um, traditions of, um, of uh, India, there were similar uh, practices. So this connection, symbolic connection between uh, uh, coiling energy, uh, the serpent in our spine goes very deep uh, with us. Does that answer that question? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Very in-depthly. Thank you. Uh, you got any other questions, Brother Dunham? That is it. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate that uh, question. Good question, Brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, let me go to the chat. Um, Raven, uh, I know you're back in on the other platform. Did you want to uh, finish up some of the stuff where you were breaking up before I bring in the next question? Yes, you know what? Can you can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're much better now. Much better. All right. So it, it's so funny because I was trying to 
when I was was reading, I just touched on at one point. So it was in um, the African Unconscious. It's on page 143. That's where I was trying to get to when Dr. Um, Biden was speaking about the the uh, he was speaking about the cause of the earth, right? And so when he was just speaking, he was just talking about the Haitian Voodoo, and uh, that then and you know here it is. I found it. It was on one page one. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase through. I'm not going to read it line by line, but he said in Haitian Voodoo, the most direct expression of the Kundalini process is associated with the serpent god Dambala, mm-hmm. right? And I know we have talked about that. And the uh, this solar principle of Dambala expresses the geometric um, perfection of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts are said to be seven in, in number. Then Dr. Bruce Biden goes on to explain that um, uh, da, 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 let's see, this nourished by myth that the harmony that a coil snake supports the three thousand five hundred coils above and below the earth. So that's that's where I was um, when you guys yeah. were talking about earlier. That's what I was trying to get back to. And he's saying that the notion of the coils, the three thirty five hundred coils. Beneath the surface is the intuition of the earth as a source of energy mm-hmm. in itself. Okay. Yeah. 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 If uh, Dr. Byron can uh, just uh, explain that a little bit more. Yeah, we were talking a moment ago about uh, in some of the uh, ancient and 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 today uh, some esoteric uh, traditions where the if you the the old the ancient intuition was that at the center of the earth there was a coiling process and we alluded earlier in the program today to the fact that geologically speaking the earth does have a inner coil at its very basis and it spins it's a solid uh uh uh, core of of nickel and other metals that are solid at the center and they spin and they spin faster than the surface, and they spin around, and they spin the coil, the molten um, uh, earth also, and it sends up spirals, but it sends up a torque or a twist. And if you quiet your mind sufficiently, and you quiet your body sufficiently through your breath and the concentration, and you get your body quiet enough so that you don't notice your external body so much, what you will, will notice is your internal body, particularly around your spinal line, having this sense of sort of turning or coiling or torque. And that is the basis for many uh, spiritual traditions. And in the West African traditions, it is the one that we alluded to before, where they sometimes even symbolically will sit atop a, a harmless serpent, uh, but to, to symbolically sort of manifest that and also psychologically to charge a person up. And... Um, in many uh, traditions in Asia, particularly those of uh, uh, the Taoists in China, there is the perception that there is energy at the, at the center of the earth and in a technique called the circulation of the light, the great orbit. A person goes, focuses their, themselves, and they go down all the way to the base of their body and then below the base of their body all the way to the center of the earth. They imagine, they visualize this, coordinate with the breathing, and then they bring it all the way back up from the center of the earth, all the way up the spinal column, usually the back of the spinal column, all the way up to the top of the head, and then 
out to the stars, particular stars that they have symbolically identified with for this or that reason, and then bring it, that energy down from the stars through the frontal part of the body, the spinal line, all the way down to the base and then the center of the earth again. It is the same phenomenon because their intuition is that that is what is there. And it's called the great orbit in Taoism, D-A-T-A-O, Tao, T-A-O. But it is a technique yeah. for thousands of years in the Taoist tradition. It is based upon the same perception of that the Vudan masters have. It is based upon the same experience and perception that the Kemetic priests used to use. It is the same because the human physiology, human neurology, human uh, neuromelanin is the same. Some have greater <laughs> access to it than others based upon the traditions and the disciplines and so forth. But it's there rooted in all human beings in all historical times. And it has been in our species for at least, you know, a few hundred thousand years, probably longer. Mm. Wow. You just stated something that made me think of the, the chakras, right? So yeah. I do this process and I just, uh, you know, I do this process where I go through my chakras. So I ground myself. I connect myself to the earth, try to go as deep down as I possibly can, connecting myself to the earth. I bring that energy up, right? Right. And I bring it up as, as far as I can bring it up. I try to bring it up at least, you know, um, to my heart chakra. And then just what you just mentioned, then I reach into the ethers, the astral, and bring that energy down as well um, through the crown, through the third eye, you know, um, yeah. in a liquid form. And then I, um, by the time I get to the heart, I start mixing the two energies. So, so is that this? Okay. And excuse me for my ignorance, but I'm going to ask it. Is that is that part of getting the body ready to raise the Kundalini? Because you, in my yes, mind, I'm thinking. Yes, it is. Okay. It is. It is getting the body ready to to do it. You have to, and it is very important to clear your channels first, okay, uh, to make sure that the passageway is clean, is clear. It is very critical, very critical, if you're going to be doing the Kundalini energy, that you master the three fundamental locks uh, or uh, uh, at the body so that the energy does not rush through and destabilize you. And there are three. There's one at the base of the body called Mulabanda. is associated with the anal uh, uh, sphincter. There's yeah, with the root chakra. Yep. Yes, it's one in the pit of the stomach, and there's one in the throat. It's really important that you learn the mastery of those so that you can sort of move the energy through like locks in a canal, so to speak, you know, and uh, so that it doesn't get disoriented. And, and it come up through the central channel. There will be a tendency at times for it to go off to one side or the other. Like when you look at that medical caduceus, there's a pole in the middle, mm -hmm. and then there are two serpents on both sides, and they cross. Where they cross on that pole is where the chakras are. What the chakras are are energy vortexes, mm -hmm. and they're also uh, 
uh, sympathetic nervous system plexes, where our nervous system has a, uh, a, 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 a uh, an amplification or condensation or or a, uh, a uh, an extra amount of nervous plexes that meet there, and those are ener- we perceive them to be we perceive them to be energy vortexes of one kind or another. And so that's, you know, uh, the, the, the traditional word is chakra, uh, and that's fine. Um, but they, are, they have a, a, a central nervous system and a sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system correlate based upon them. And so that's why it's very important to learn how to regulate your breathing, know about those three fundamental locks, and know uh, when you are raising the energy. Most people... When they're doing that, they can stimulate some of the, a lot of the energy. But that energy is not necessarily kundalini. That it, it, it's, it's the energy associated with it. It's kind of like pranothana. That's the technical name for it. It is the preparation of the energy. Uh, it, it, a crude analogy would be a crude analogy would be um, a um, uh, you have a, uh, a series of locks and canals, and you learn how to bring the water through, so to speak, so that the water can pass through the different canals. And that's, that's sort of like that pranothana or that energy that's moving through. But the energy moving through is not the fish that may be in the water. The fish is the kundalini, okay? And she is decidedly different. And she is alive and awake in a very different kind of way. And she's more subtle. But when she's electrified, you will know it. And so you have to be prepared for it. So uh, I do believe that uh, um, one of the great uh, gifts uh, of African and, and Indian people, uh, from India, uh, and African peoples to the modern world is the resurgence and the rebirth of Kundalini. I believe it's going to be the basis of the, of, of the awakening of our species. I really do. I've never said that before on radio. But I do believe it's going to be the basis of the, the uh, enlightenment and the awakening of our species at some future time. We're, go- we're heading into difficult times. You know that, right? Yes. And, yeah, I know that, and I can sense that. And you know what? I'm in agreement with you because there, there's no other way. Well, from what I can sense and see at this particular moment, there's no other way. It's not going to be no um, um, uh, baby Jesus coming up out the sky. It's not going to be... Um, Brimstone, you know, it, it's not going to be no government, no pol- political system. It's literally going to take something psycho spiritual, as you, you know, to to take place. It, or, or yeah. It, this, well, you know, every every time there's been a every time there's been a a a significant um, leap or change in uh, our our advancement, quote-unquote, as a species, it's always occurred uh, in the midst of some vast climate change. You know? Our species, uh, uh, I shouldn't say our species, our, our, our evolutionary line broke away from the ape, uh, great primate uh, line uh, in uh, East and South Africa, particularly East Africa, with the rise of the Rift Valley, and it separated different ones, and that's how our our, spe- our 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 line, the hominid line, it's called, uh, 
evolved and broke away about six or seven million years ago from the ape line. And then uh, during different climatic changes on the earth, different forms of us rose. There have been many different forms of sort of like us running around at different times, uh, you know, and uh, all of them went extinct um, except uh, us. And we finally evolved out of the out of the line that included uh, Homo habilis, you know, the, the the man, the creature who made tools, and um, so on and so forth. And we got more sophisticated. And then there were a lot of variations on a theme within that. And all of those died out, including Cro-Magnon. And who survived? Who's here? Us, Homo sapiens sapien, thinking man. So uh, there've been a lot of us. There's been a lot of experimentation on the part of nature to get us to where we are now. And um, it's always occurred when there's been some major climate change. And now we're on the verge of some other major climate change. And, um, you know, we could be doing it a different way, but we're choosing to do do it the hard way for whatever reasons. Right. Yeah, for whatever, but you're right. Nothing is going to change unless change occur within ourselves. And that's what the Kundalini is all about. That's what that's what raising it. Well, yeah, that's true. Make this change. Mm-hmm. It's change, and we have to. I, we have to be benevolent and recognize that we have to help each other in doing that. Um, the U.S. Uh, uh, and the international climate uh, agencies have now indicated that we've got roughly about 12 years before climate change begins to really accelerate. I mean, really accelerate. We're already seeing it in bizarre weather changes now, and a lot of us are still in denial about that, you know, Uh, particularly those of us with certain kinds of political power. We're still in denial about it. But we've got 12 years, and then then it's going to start really increasing. And we're going to be in a complicated place. And we're going to see it, a lot of us, in our lifetime. But, again, whenever that happens, over time, a new form of us evolves. And so the next form of Homo sapiens sapiens is probably going to be evolving soon. And I think it will have something to do also with a, 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 a greater capacity to experience Kundalini. And I really believe that the genius the spiritual uh, traditions and genius of West African peoples in particular and those of, of ancient Dravidian India will quicken those of all the rest of, the, of our brothers and sisters on the planet. I've had, I have an optimistic view of this, how this is going to work out, okay? I, I'll put that out there. It doesn't have to be that course, but I'm putting it out there, an optimistic view that we will collectively awaken. And when we do, it will yes. be a glorious time. Yep. Definitely agree. All right. I appreciate that. I'm going to try my best because we got a ton of questions online. Um, I'm going to go through them. Let's see if we can get through them. Uh, Dr. Bynum, I know we're scheduled to 10. We can go longer if that's okay with you. I just don't want it to interfere with your personal time. If you if you have to go at any point, just let me know. I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, so just uh, I'll try to get to as many of these questions as I can. I know we ain't going to be able to do it in 15 minutes. I mean, I, I have some time if you do, but if you have to go at any point, just please let me know. I don't want to hold I'll let you know you I up. do have something set up at about 10, 15. But I've got okay. So let, me, 
No problem. So let me let me we'll get you back. So uh, no problem. Let me go through a couple of these here. Um, this was uh, uh, one question from Baffa, and then I'm going to get Trident's question next. Uh, this was asked earlier. Why is the spinal or the vertebrae the first part that forms within the human fetus or embryo? Uh, you're talking about uh, the uh, the neural crest. The neural crest for people who are listening uh, is the part of the uh, the fetus that begins to uh, show itself after there's there are multiple divisions of the cells uh, uh, right. beginning in the earliest stages. And uh, as it begins to be differentiated more and more and more, the first line of direct energy through the system is literally, it's a direct current. It's a direct current. Along that is, is, is melanin, and melanin conducting energy along that particular line. It's a physiological thing in embryogenesis. And the first thing that begins to evolve in, in the most primitive way is the spine. And then uh, from that begins to develop... Uh, uh, our other organs are, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the outline, the adumbration of our other, other organs are heart, lungs, liver. Obviously, they're not functioning. They're just beginning to develop. Mm. If, you've ever, if you've ever played with a, uh, a, a tadpole or a polywog as a kid and you've watched them develop into frogs, you kind of like see that process. You sort of see the, the, uh, the, the single-celled, uh, jello, jelly kind of thing of the frogs, eggs, and then if you yes. don't disturb it, after a while, uh, little legs come out and they become polywogs, you know, as it moves around in the water, and then after a while it gets more sophisticated. Eventually it drops the tail, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a uh, four-armed little, uh, little frog, and then eventually the frog crawls out of the water, okay? Mm. Well, that is essentially the story of uh, embryogenesis except in the human being, it's radically more sophisticated, but it's the same story. Right. It's the same story. And the spine is the first thing to develop. Again, uh, the vertebrates, uh, when we came out of the oceans, uh, that's the path we took. And uh, if you notice, uh, uh, as we get more sophisticated in evolution from the mammals, uh, from the, the four-legged creatures who walk upon the earth who have backbones and spines, horses, dogs, so on and so forth. And then when, then when we get to the, uh, the uh, great apes, they're the ones who are beginning to periodically stand on two feet, <clears throat> just briefly. And then right. eventually as we get more sophisticated, they're standing on two feet more often until eventually we get to us who are standing up and rising up toward the sun. Okay, right. so that's, it's about, it's about becoming, uh, our spinal lines becoming erect and reaching back toward our source, toward the light of the universe mm-hmm. itself. So it's a very physiological narrative there. Right. Okay, uh, I'm going to try to squeeze just a couple more in. Um, Trident72 asks, uh, do you feel electro- magnetism is involved with physical attraction in any way when you say physical attraction what do you mean i i mean the way it's typed in i don't know if the end of uh maybe try to send me two could type some down uh i would assume based the way the question is written as far as being physically attracted to somebody i i would guess that's that's the way it was written uh, i don't know if, if that makes uh, sense 
I don't really know. I'm sure there's some aspect of it, but mm-hmm. I don't know how much. But, you know, being also physically attracted to someone uh, has a lot to do with pheromones, smell. Right. And, uh, uh, and all kinds of other subtle uh, factors. I don't know. How, uh, so it's, I guess it's within the general domain of electromagnetic, but there are lots of other things that, that, that greatly contribute uh, to that. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, this next question, um, as far from this is from Oni. What kind of possession of mountain pushes you to the floor? Is it some huge force that presses your shoulders, or or you are incapable of standing up straight, or or would you? Well, anyway, the question is, what what kind of possession of mountain pushes you or, or creates that? I think you kind of answered that earlier, though. What kind of mountain? Like what kind of when, when, when spirit or law is mounting you? Oh, when, I see what you're saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, uh, depending on your background and your personality and your particular sensitivities, you're going to be more susceptible to a certain lower uh, than uh, someone else. And uh, that's, you know, that's a complicated uh, story. Um, but yeah, you're not going to be equally attracted to uh, any to every lower, and not every lower is going to be equally attracted to you. So um, right. uh, it's 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 a complicated story of uh, you know uh, of your own individual development and uh, what your nervous system is capable of doing, what it resonates to, and so on. Right. Right. Okay, and let me, I'll squeeze this last one in there and then I will let you go. Um, this one, wait, I just lost it. Oh, okay. Is there a reason um, why African-Americans' voices are heavier in vibration than, say, that coincides with the rhythms and chants of African spirituality? Is there any connection there? Uh, I would, uh, uh, intuitively, I say yes. I would be hard-pressed to give you any scientific or medical basis for it. Uh, but right. my, my intuition is that yes. Okay. No. All right. But, but don't, but right. I, again, I, I don't have any, I can't medically, you know, justify that. It's just, a, it's gotcha. just an intuition, a feeling on my part. Right. And I think that's kind of how the question was posed. All right. Just so we don't hold you up, I don't want to get into, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back, Dr. Bynum. I'll definitely... I'll get in contact with you, check your schedule. Um, you know, I like to do like we used to do, get you, excuse me, get you on, on a, you know, periodically here um, when you're able to. So I'll, I'll check with you, your schedule, because it's it's just amazing how with this book, I always have a whole bunch of stuff mapped out and I get to about 20% of it. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those works or writings. And if you don't have the book, uh, I want to tell the listeners, get the book. It's a, just got to Google it. It comes up in various different platforms. Um, but it's just so much information to go in here. Um, you could stay in one chapter and, you know, and discuss that for hours. It's that type of book, literally. Um, and like I say, every time I prepare material to discuss with you, I only get, I'm lucky if I get to 20 to 25% of it. Um, so I appreciate you coming on. And like I say, I'll definitely be in touch with you and see what your schedule uh, when you're able to come on again. And uh, we'll go from there. Well, I've appreciated the opportunity to talk with folks about it, really. Yeah, but we enjoy it, and the listeners do, too. So uh, I'll be in touch, and uh, you enjoy the rest of your evening, and have a good weekend. Thank you.
Okay, you too. All right, people. Uh, we'll, we'll stay on for a little bit more, go through it again. We want to thank Dr. Bynum uh, for coming by. Um, a lot of stuff, people. And, and again, if you don't have the book, uh, I know a lot of the listeners do have the book, uh, but if you do not have the book, I recommend you get the book. And when people always ask me a good, a good place to start uh, or some good books, et cetera, I get that question a lot. I get it in emails. Uh, you know, I'm always referring this particular book and this particular work uh, because I think it covers a wide range uh, of topics. I think it gets in depth and in detail. Uh, and, and really, uh, in essence, we were talking about one small section of the book for this. And I know uh, I know a lot of you have more questions here. I just unfortunately due to time, I couldn't get to them. Um, but we will get Dr. Bynum back on. So I would encourage you. Uh, to maybe write your questions down uh, for next time so you don't forget to ask them. And, and again, I'll try my best to maybe maybe shorten up uh, the interview process and maybe get to some questions a little earlier for time's sake uh, so we have a little more interaction. Um, but like I said, we only, we briefly, we touched on such a small portion of the book and a lot of this stuff, but we jumped around a little bit, but a lot of the stuff if you do have the book, uh, was in the first section and it started on page 22. It kind of went on down. Uh, I kind of jumped around in there a bit and I skipped other portions of the book, but it's that type of book because you might, you might encounter something, uh, in one portion of the book. If you've read the book in its entirety and you're familiar with it, that kind of taps into something later in the book and vice versa. You might get to something later in the book that expounds a little more in depth on some of the stuff you might've read uh, in the earlier stages of the book. So it's one of those reads, yeah, you can jump around, you know, yeah, I mean, you could do that with any book. Uh, in my opinion, it's not the type of book you kind of, you, at some point you should ingest the entire book in my opinion, um, because you might be jumping around and skipping things where some of your questions are answered in other sections of the book. That's why I say that. Um, but again, uh, that that all the material we covered was in in such a small uh, section and area, but well, again, we'll get Dr. Bynum back on. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll go through some more of your comments. Uh, let me just check on this side here. Uh, make sure we ain't got nothing on the chat. I don't I didn't see anything in the other chat. Looks like everything is on the other side. Um, but again, if I didn't welcome you in earlier, uh, peace and greetings. So we welcome everybody here. And I know still a lot of you are still here. So uh, let's let's see if we can discuss some of these things. We'll we'll go through uh, best we can for a little bit. We'll stay on for a little bit longer. Um, Raven, is there anything you wanted to add real quick before we do that? Oh, you're right. It's just a it's a lot of uh, content and information. And just for me, um, just how my brain works. And when I was mentioned, trust me when I tell you guys. If you can get through those, it'll make, you know, it, uh, my mind is not so scientific. So just to hear it or, or to read the um, previous books opens up where you have a greater understanding of where he's coming from with that dark light consciousness. It, it honestly was, it will explain a lot, um, dark light consciousness, like the African unconscious. It really would. Uh, it'll help you understand how he, he comes up with what he comes up with, how he ties it all the way back um, to the beginning. 
Indeed. We have always had this knowledge, had how we have always known about it. This is just this is just not you know no new phenomenon. But as he's, it's just the time now for it to really mm -hmm. um, come. Why you you hearing about it more, hearing more about the Kundalini, and that's why everybody want to raise their Kundalini, but they're not understanding. We lost you again. You're going in and out. And they say, oh, but no worries. Um, I'm gonna shut up. But that's it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So let me go through some of the comments. And, and again, um, just just a couple quick announcements. So I didn't get a chance to do that in the beginning. Uh, the drumming that we are doing on Saturday, we changed that start time to eight o'clock. I just want to put that out there again uh, for those that are coming to the drumming on Saturday night. Uh, the original start time on the flyer was 7:30. It's going to be actually at eight o'clock. Uh, so I just want to put that out there as a reminder um, for those coming to the event on Friday. That begins at eight o'clock. Also, um, for those that are coming from out of town, just uh, again, uh, contact me when you are actually here or if you're coming from out of state, just so I'm aware um, and we can plan accordingly. All right. So let me see what other comments we got in here. Um, I know earlier the uh, link was somebody I posted, I think it was Wacky J, I posted it at the top for the book. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, so if you are interested in the book, uh, there's the link right there at the very top of the chat in the beginning um, for you to do that. Um, click on again. I'd I, I suggest if you don't have it, get it. All right, so let me see where I left off here, and we'll kind of touch a little bit on this. Um, yeah. yeah, why are you trying to find that? Why are you trying to find it too? I would like for him to. Uh, we didn't get a chance to um, deal with that. Um, but the Dravidian or, or the um, how the Hindus you utilize the Tantra to mm -hmm. raise the Kundalini. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to really. Uh, touch on that, but I think when you were asking the question, which one thing I think is real important, and let, let me say this when you were explaining what you were doing, um, how he described that being you know, you know, preparing a way or a vessel for the energy, it's connected to it. And I'm glad you explained that because I think some people get confused, and I, I don't know if you were on at the time, I think you came on at the time, and I had him explain, and I was, I was asking questions because I wanted him to make things clear. Uh, to take the spookism out of the Kundalini, to take the spookism out of the possession and mountain and working with the law and the spirits, because I still believe, in my opinion, people are kind of religiously spooked out about that. They're still very aesthetic about it. Um, they still look at it uh, in faith, belief and awe. And I'm not even I'm not again, I'm not talking about people uh, that are not on the path. I'm talking about people that are on the path. Um, yeah. One thing I like about Dr. Bynum is, and the beautiful thing about having him on, uh, he's, and I look at him, and he, uh, he's a doctor, but I look at him more as a scientist. And he, he basically is, is touching on a lot of science, but he, he made a statement in the very beginning. And even though he used the term, he said, spirituality and religion and science, there is no separation. And when he said that, as far as the religion part, I want to make this clear, he wasn't talking about what we know as modern day religion. And he used that, he made a statement in correlation to the ancient Egyptians, how they never differentiated between those practices. It was all connected. Mm -hmm. 
but that's when it was sound and it was in harmony. And I, I want to make that clear. We need to use that same formula on this path. Um, now, if you want to refer to the religion as our spiritual practices, not, not religion as monotheism, let me make that clear. Um, that's kind of, I, I brought that up because we got to start looking at this path as being able to harmonize all those aspects. Spirituality, science, and religion would be the actual ritualistic work and practices that you do, right? Where, where this confusion and chaos comes in is, as he explained over time, this shit started to get separated and broken down into categories where individuals chose to gravitate towards one more than the other. And you see that today because you got some aspects of consciousness where they're too scientifical. You got some aspects where they're too uh, religious and you know whether they're conscious of it or not, or they're too historical. And I think what's a unique thing about this book and, and also which we didn't even discuss which some of you might or may not be aware of with Dr. Bynum, he's actually extensively you know, traveled the world. And he's actually, mm -hmm. he doesn't talk about it a lot, but he's been initiated in a lot of the systems that he's talking about. Uh, he just doesn't feel the need that he has to. I mean, he mentions it briefly in the book, but I want you to factor that in when you're reading the book. You're Again, you're reading it from somebody's perspective, uh, from experience. And I think with uh, mainly African spiritual systems, it's a different perspective um, from somebody that has experience on some level. Don't have to necessarily be fully initiated, but at least has thorough background and experience in it, as opposed to somebody that just reads a bunch of fucking books and thinks they know something. Um, and that's why when I teach on it, again, I'm teaching on it also from experience, um, not just because I read a bunch of books on it. Um, and through that experience, the goal, and I get that, that's, that's the message I got when I first encountered his material. Um, it helps you to understand the importance or lack of importance of the whole initiation thing, and if it's for you. And one of my takes, uh, I'm highly influenced from his perspective on it, and that's why you always hear me uh, give that information as I pass it on to other individuals when they bring up the whole concept, should I, should I not get initiated? It's personal, you know, but I always follow it up with make sure you understand in those traditional systems you are obligated, you know, to oblige by the way they're set up. You don't have that liberty and freedom to deviate as you would on this path of self-mastery where you can do as you choose, pick and choose what's correct for you and, and, and what's what may not be proper for you. So I want to make that clear. Um, so you should look at it from that, uh, you know, that viewpoint. Now, when you mentioned the tantric, right, and I brought up the fact, and I think you were on at the time, about the Kundalini not always being pleasant. And I brought, right. Right, I brought that up because you, in, in reference to Cali, okay, when people will jump right into the tantric and the Bama Marga, this is why, because as, as he said, if you don't prepare yourself and cleanse those avenues that the energy is facilitated with, that's when it can create problems for you become difficult. Now that confirms what I've been saying for the longest time that you start fucking around and, and working with the tantric energy and you got all types of issues and blockages, that's going to create issues for you. And anybody that's pointing you in that direction first, but not telling you to do the work to get yourself right, prepare yourself, is doing you a disservice. Okay, that's why I brought. And I'm, I'm if if you paid attention to my line of question, I did it. Yeah, for, yeah, I did. Okay, 
So I wanted to make that clear. Yeah, we had a spooky in here earlier, and I just want to make this clear. I'm not going to focus too much on it. <sighs> Man, listen, this is not a religious forum. No. Um, you know, if you're, you're, you're going, we had somebody in here that thought they were incarnation of, in their mind, whoever the fuck they think Jesus is. Uh, we're not going to get into all that back and forth rhetoric and debate. That's personal. If that's what you believe, power to you. Uh, but it's not the forum for that. Nobody's going to really buy into that. And uh, anyway, you guys probably saw it, but I, I deleted all that shit. Yeah, but, the, you know, the crazies come. Um, what else we got? Let's well, see. that's why, too, I just mentioned, I'll mention it again, that if into his earlier books to help dispel some of that myth um, around possession, because he does still talk about that in um, the African unconscious. He still he he gets a little bit more into it um, and tying in the, the um, so mm -hmm. yeah yeah all right so uh, again if anybody wants to uh, come in live on the YouTube uh, just type it in and I can send you the link to your email if you so choose if not we're just gonna breeze through these questions try to stay on for a little bit longer uh, Shango Ray TV says shout out brother B and all the and all and all present excellent info and work thank you. Uh, well, we appreciate you, too, for tuning in and listening. Um, There's a question from Baffa Marga. Uh, she had, well, she had asked it to the doctor, but I'll try to touch on it, and she can always represent this question. Uh, I was going to ask about the Naga and the serpent people, and it's funny she typed it in. Uh, she she types in about the ancient serpent cults of Nagas and why they worship the Kundalini or the serpent power, and what is the importance of this dark magnetic energy current uh, for us now? Um his whole theme of the book really is that uh, and that's why I, I in the beginning that's what you want in the beginning and i went to that chapter that's when, when he talks about darkness you know uh being uh you know or light being engulfed in darkness um as long as we, when we understand see and i think and i know uh Baffa didn't present this question but i'm i'm piggybacking off of that presenting the question i think sometimes when we hear dark side or darkness uh, again individuals that may not be uh, quote unquote conscious their mind tends to wander to negativity and evil dark side represents again you can use the term primordial chaos energy you can use that that core essence where all things have their uh, origin or existence or those primary primary sources be it via, via creation energy um, I just think when you look at the cults like the Naga serpent, serpent cults, and uh, even when you look at, let, let, let's say, if you go over uh, to uh, West Africa, the Baldo, right, right? Um, when you look at how that, that whole ritual, and if you look at some of their symbols, and as he described, uh, if you look at his description in his book, the Kadigas and how he describes the Kundalini, Kundalini energy being a serpent and how he has it descri described uh or illustrated on page 44 he kind of goes into that um it's about being able those cults were all about being able to open those energy centers up and reach those higher states of consciousness or awareness but they say dark side or dark energy because that's what the book is basically about dark light consciousness all all of that how those higher states of consciousness when you tell it starts with point of origin is the brain i factor this in because as he as he deciphered between different aspects 
of melanin. And when he was talking about the neuromelanin, which has its origin in the stem of the brain, you also have to really connect that on an esoteric level to the first hermetic principle of Tahuti. All is mental, mental is all, the universe is mental. All things have its origin in the mind. That takes on a whole different meaning, okay? So there's many reasons for that. And, and again, this is just my opinion and my research on it, all right? Uh, most of those serpent cults, that was their goal, to counter the divine uh, via this work. Some of those, some of that ritualistic work involved some of the stuff we're talking about. And that's why I brought up spirit possession and, and mounting and things of those nature to take that spookism out. Because as he, as he said, that's just uh, open yourself up. Um, and I believe the term I was reading here, how he describes it in the book is the trans-dimensional uh, you, which shows a multifaceted or many different dynamics and aspects uh, to your higher self, okay? Um, so the work varies, you're gonna find in, in, in a lot of those different um, groups. And when you, when you do some of your research on them, um, you're gonna find, though they might have different methodologies uh, in their approach, but they're very similar in, in, you know, in nature. They're very similar how they might be carried out, um, the symbolisms, um, even some of the dress of these uh, different cultures, all right? Um, but I would, again, focus on when we say dark magnetic energy, that's a, that's a whole other thing, right? That's basically just using, uh, you know, another term just so people don't get uh, confused. That's just like using uh, another term to describe uh, all these different con concepts, right? Um, we know everything is energy. Um, but again, when you're tapping into this current, working with this energy, it still doesn't negate the fact, and, I, and I'm, I'm always going to stress this, that you must get yourself right. And he talked about sound mind, sound body, uh, you know, being... <laughs> Being in that sound mind and sound, you know, sound body, because some of this stuff can be damaging, um, you know, if you're not you're not at that state. And I want to make that crystal um, clear. Um, now, I wouldn't use the term. I mean, I know it might appear like that on the surface. Worshipped the Kundalini serpent uh, power, because really, in essence, they weren't worshiping it. They were because you kind of answered that later in the question. They they were more so activating that energy i know it can come across like that i'm not saying you wrote it from a, from a religious perspective but i wouldn't look at it as they were worshiping um because people confuse that too with uh sometimes uh ancestral practices and that's why you're here i don't like to use the term ancestral worship because that can kind of come across but anyway i get yeah get the point good question all right so what else we got uh da, 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 da. Yeah, and, the, and and one of the tribes I was referring to, to the Baldo, right, for an example, the Dogon of Mali, uh, go do some research on them. They were one of those Naga or serpent uh, tribes. Uh, in their history, they record, uh, and I asked him about the triune brain, and he was talking about the reptilian brain, and I asked that for a particular reason, because uh, I knew we were going to get into the Kundalini or the serpent energy. 
Now, they believe that their origin and ancestry comes from beings, uh, you know, in the deep depths of the sea of the water. And it's recorded in their writings that they came to the surface and they intermixed with uh, humans. But to get that intermixing with humans, uh, they exchanged, uh, you know, higher forms of knowledge uh, with surface people. And again, I'm quoting what's recorded in their history. They also have a uh, group of people, you can actually pull pictures of them and Google them, from this uh, reptilian human mixing uh, called the ostrich people, because they these people have webbed feet. There's actually pictures of, you'll see, of these individuals and in these tribes with feet that look like kind of mermaids, like webbed fish reptilian feet. Um, now, again, you do the research on your own. I'm not, I'm not telling you to accept this. I would encourage you to go do this research. Um, and they worked with the, that, that higher aspect uh, when you're talking about being connected or, or locked into the full capacity. And that's why I brought up the triune brain, being locked into the full capacity of our mind power. Now, I forget what to say. There's always that phrase, the small percentage that we actually use of our mind, right? Um, because remember, when you look in the, in the book, he uses that kundalini energy and when he shows it as a serpent he shows it rising up right it's coming from the root he mentioned the three key points one the first one starting with the navel and he shows in depth the chakra centers and how it rises up like a coil like coiled energy and he connects that to the nervous system the magnetic grid of the planet and our relationship with the nervous system and the energy of the planet that's all important that's why some Anybody that knows about chakras will tell you one good way to get grounded in your root chakra, and I've always told people this, is to walk barefoot on grass, uh, beach sand, or, or sometimes um, just, just ground uh, you know, concrete, depends on where it is. But here's one thing. If you ever notice, if you've ever traveled, right, and wonder why you get sick sometimes from a lot of traveling or you don't feel the same, that's because your electromagn electromagnetic energy that keeps you centered is, is going to be strongly connected to where you spend most of your time. So let me give you an example. If you travel a lot, I always tell people this to regenerate yourself. When you get home to where you spend your most time, you'll, you'll find one way you'll feel better quick is take your shoes off and walk barefoot. So you can, you can get that energy can recharge uh, and, and balance you out and get you reconnected. Because remember, when you're traveling to other areas, you're tapping into whole, you know, all different types of energy. You will find, trust me when I tell you, if you get zapped a lot when you travel, come back. And when you get back, if it's your backyard or right in your locale, walk on some grass or some dirt and you will see how quick you will start to feel better um, because of a lot of things that we're talking about. All right. Um, what else we got here? I'm gonna try to go through these quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Keona Carter says, "And isn't Vudon pronounced Voodoo? It just depends on the tradition and the language. Uh, Vudon is the more ancient pronunciation of it, going back to Africa. Voodoo is more modern French, and it deals more with the Hoodoo Voodoo terminology that you get uh, from the from the more modern uh, Voodoo Hoodoo um, practitioners. But it's all connected. It's 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 different aspects of the same thing." It's no different than saying Set, Satuk or Seth, uh, when referring to an Egyptian deity. It just depends on the culture and the language. Um, that's really all that is. So it's just a matter of what particular system uh, you're coming from with the pronunciation of the word. 
Uh, Oni says there, there is no Satan. It's a mindset. That's true because it's an archetype. Um, but if you choose uh, from a Luciferian perspective, I always say this, if you choose to look at it like that and you work with it and you get results, that's on you. But there are other people uh, that don't look at that from a factual standpoint because, uh, you know, to me, that's religious. Uh, and I'm going to say this, and I've said this many times before. Uh, you have a lot of people, quote unquote, who practice what you would call modern day Satanism. And I find some of them to be just as religious uh, as religious people um, because they spend most of their time and energy uh, being the antithesis to God or Christianity or Christianity or monotheism. To me, that's a waste of time. When you look at it from a higher state of mind and they really are all just categories or character types or archetypes. Uh, because, for an example, this character for we'll use that they call Satan or the devil has many other names and titles, Lucifer, Azazel, uh, you name it. The list goes on Beelzebub. They all represent different archetypes of the same thing. Um, you can even look at that when you go into Islam. I, I've explained that many times before. Right. You have what the, the Muslims and the Sufis will what they call thicker or dicker, as some pronounce it. Uh, the 99 attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the same God, but they break down into fragments of the different ad attributes that it represents. Again, that's another character type. So it just depends on your level of thinking, your level of study. Um, me, I don't look at any of that stuff as literal um, because that's when we get caught up in religion. But if you choose to look at it from that perspective, that's your complete choice, but you must also know there will be other people with a varying difference of opinion. So it just depends. All right. Um, and Keona types in, Satan is very real. We should thank him for keeping all the intranquil spirits away. Yeah, now when you work with that on left-hand path, uh, again, I would like to add this. It just depends on what, what system you're coming from. Now, as black adepts and magicians, um, all energy is productive. It's just knowing how to work with it because a magician could actually use intranquil spirits for their benefit if they're doing work. That's a whole other story. I'm not going to really get into that. Uh, but Satan represents the concept. Remember, it's the, it means the adversary, right? It, it, it represents an individual, again, that's not a nonconformist, that thinks for themselves, that is on their own path, that is the sole governor of their spirituality. Uh, that's what it represents to somebody on this path. Um, so in that sense, yes, I would agree with that. Uh, but again, if you take it literal or you use it aesthetically, that's your that's your choice. There, there is no right or wrong way. Remember, this path is about uh, using methodologies and systems that work for you. But understand, you might use something that works for you, but it just may not be right or something that another individual utilizes. We have to understand that. That's what this path is about. All right. What else we got? Yeah, I see Straight Panther. You're trying to come at uh, this this Jesus incarnate character. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't deal with that here. And, and, and again, it's as simple as just finding a platform where that's what we're dealing. All right. Um, and again, uh, I see another comment by Keona. Be belief is personal. Okay, because you can believe. I can believe that. Like, let me give you an example. It's personal. And to argue over it is ridiculous because 
you're not going to change or convince people of their beliefs. If they're stuck in them, they're not, you're not going to change. I can believe this cup is a God. If I believe it's a God in my mind, I'm really the God because I'm giving it power of that belief. So belief is personal. We have to understand that. Uh, religious belief is, that's a whole nother story. Um, but belief in general is personal and you can't factually pr prove a belief. And what gives that belief power is the person's personal conviction and that belief, and that's fine. But again, we must understand that because an individual might not have the same beliefs as you, you can't get upset at that. You can't get mad with that. You can't want you, you can't become argumentative with somebody because they may not believe in your ideology. Um, so that's fine. But again, it's personal, and you 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 know you can't. Okay, uh, another comment. Okay, everything is energy, but spirits of light and dark exist. Yes, they're just polarities of the same thing. Again, I would always refer people to the seven hermetic principles of Tahuti. Understand the doctrine of vibration and rhythm and the doctrine of polarity, you will understand that. All energy are just varying degrees of the same thing. It's just understanding and perceiving them and knowing how to use them. Now, we, we as humans can break it down and classify it as dark or light, good or bad, that's fine. But we have to understand they all have a source or origin from the same thing. What happens is when we as humans start to separate this stuff, this is where the confusion comes in and people start drawing lines. I'm on this side, I'm on this side. And then your personal opinions get involved, your faith and your belief gets involved, and then it just becomes pointless, all right? But anyways, good points. All right, what else we got? But uh, Keon is bringing up, you're bringing up good points, good things to think about, um, definitely. Okay, good question by Baffle. What causes the serpent power or kundalini to activate uh, on a sexual level and how is it connected to the pineal gland? All right, thanks. Um, remember, <laughs> you, first of all, to activate uh, on a sexual level, that would be depend on what your intent and focus is in when you're going in working with the serpent power or the kundalini, because obviously there are specific uh, things rituals, practices, exercises one can do to stimulate uh, that kundalini energy on a uh, sexual level. So I think that step one is, is focused on what is your purpose, your intent when you're setting out to do this work. You would have to obviously have the intent to go into that area, all right? Um, well, I think what causes it by, you know, understanding how that, you know, that kundalini or serpent energy works when it comes to sexual stimulation, like when you're practicing Tantra or sex magic, things are done uh, to actually activate that in various different uh, rituals or workings. Now, as far as the pineal gland, right? How the pineal gland um, or how it's connected to it, remember on all levels, remember one of the main aspects or focuses of the pineal gland being activated and clear, or when we like to say in alchemy, it's not calcified, is you're able to be open and receptive to these spiritual messages, these spiritual impressions, this uh, certain level of awareness. When you know an individual's pineal is not functioning or working correctly, they're disconnected from this. I had mentioned something uh, on the early portion of the show with Dr. Bynum about the neuromelanin being the pathways or roadways or the connectors to this consciousness. And, and you heard him talk about it and he said, yes, that would be a good example or, or methodology to explain it. So one way of getting that pineal activated to the awareness of this and many other things 
uh, again, would be to make sure that neuromelanin is functioning correctly. And there's, there's many different spiritual practices, diet, things you can do to take, to get quote unquote, that pineal gland decalcified. What calcifies that? In addition to just bad food, bad information, right? When you're ingesting incorrect information or when you have what I call tunnel vision, that you see things one way um, and you kind of cut off your creativity and your connection to everything in the universes and the multiverses, you disconnect from all that when you look per se succumb to one particular ideology, faith, belief, or religion. Um, it's gonna be hard to awaken those higher energy centers when you're in a dogma that kind of suppresses them and limits them, that becomes difficult. Now, you may not be aware of it because you're, you're submerged in that faith or belief system. And that's that's something the individual have to figure out. It's not my job or anybody's job to try to bash somebody upside the head and get them to see things the way I, like I said, that's not my job. I really don't care. That's, uh, I'm not interested in that because um, people want to do what they want to do anyway. We have to understand that. Um, when people want to make a change on whatever it is, they got to want to make that change for themselves. Not saying you can't assist and encourage and give information to maybe spark that change, but in the end, the individual has to want to do it. But anyway, that's what I would say to that question. Yeah, I apologize earlier. Sometimes when the when the YouTube and the uh, talk shoe go simultaneously, the talk shoe gets low. I think I figured it out. It'll sometimes it lowers the mic on the radio show, and I was able to go in there and uh, adjust it on the other end. I'll keep that in mind. It, it happened, uh, I think, a couple shows uh, ago. Also, uh, I am aware of it. I am working on it. Um, so I apologize. I know there was a couple short periods here and there where he got a, he kind of got low. All right. All right, what else? <clears throat> okay. I'm going to skip some of your conversations for time's sake amongst each other. Uh, Sunny D, I see you came in at 9.43, so you caught the end. Uh, yeah, we will get Dr. Bynum back. It is a great book. I agree with you 100%. Um, what I will do next time, I will shorten the interview process and maybe we'll go straight to some questions quicker um, just so everybody will get a chance to interact, ask the questions. Usually he, he I mean, he stayed pretty much for the whole two hours, but usually he'll, he's sometimes willing to stay longer. But out of respect, um, I didn't want to hold him up. I mean, he's doing this out of his own time. And I, I can relate. Time is important to me, too. Um, so I wouldn't intrude on anybody's time and what they got to do. But I will get him back. Uh, he's been on many times before. Um, and we'll 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 continue the discussion. Uh, and again, uh, I know, Raven, you brought up his other books, and I'm glad you did that. Uh, even though we will, we, you know, this book is the focus when he comes on. If you've read any of his other works, and he mentioned that at the beginning, Feel free to ask uh, any questions on all of his books. You know, don't have to just be this book. It just seems he explained because remember, he, he said those were the preludes to this book. This book kind of sums up his previous works. He, he kind of described that in the beginning of the show. All right. All right, what else we got? I'm going to skip some of the personal comments. I just don't have time for it right now.
this was a good question. I know this was at Dr. Bynum earlier by Wacky J. Uh, do you have any suggestions for brain te- brain detox and cleansing to activate the seven circuits like Dr. Jewel Procrum? Now, if you go into the archives, I actually had Dr. Jewel Procrum on, and I'm glad you just reminded me. I'm thinking about getting her back on. She was actually been on the show twice. And one of the shows we did, if you look in the archives, it's called The Seven Circuits of the Brain. Um, she talks about that process on there. Um, she gets heavily into, uh, you know, diet. Um, she talks about uh, melanin. She gets into the breakdown of how um, artificial and synthetics damage uh, your melanin, and it, it affects how the brain functions. Because as as you know, when most people go to the doctor, they're quick to give us antibiotics, right? And listen to the term. And one thing I take that helps with it, and I think I've mentioned this before in the past to help what you're asking, Wacky J, if you get the refrigerated probiotics that you get in the herb store, right? This was something I was told years ago, and it definitely makes a difference because since I've been on it, I, I could definitely feel it tremendously. Don't get the one that's not refrigerated. That's usually got uh, preservatives and fillers, and it's not as effective. If you get the one with at least 5 billion cultures of, of uh, probiotics, the one that's refrigerated and take it once a day, they have it in many different forms. That That's something that helps the functioning or full capacity of that. And it has so many other benefits that's connected to it too, as far as boosting up the immune system energy, but it really, really protects the whole entire body from uh, that good bacteria that's stripped from us all the time via poor diet, via taking in chemicals and artificial preservatives that that kind of strip the full capacity of our brains functioning correctly. Um, she gets into that. Uh, she even, she talked about it on the show. Um, I know she's talked about it in a lot of her lectures. Um, meditation, obviously, was another great tool. Um, I want to also talk about this. And it's funny because I mentioned this on the lab. You heard Dr. Bynum talk about it. These, all of these spiritual systems, which are, and I think people, this went over everybody's head because I felt it. These systems are trying to teach people. Sometimes we spend so much fucking time talking, right? And that's why uh, people that are caught up in dogmas, remember, no great prophet, sage, mystic, guru ever received a revelation while they were talking. They received it while they were in silence or meditation. And he said, a lot of these systems are trying to teach you to still and quiet the mind so you can hear and listening. And that's the problem with a lot of us. We like to talk so much shit that we're not going within and we're tapping into the, like you said, the esoterical aspect of this. Most people are trapped on an exoterical level. They're caught up in worldly and physical things. You can't encounter the divine to its fullest if you are, if you are for the most part, exoterical, because that means you're grounded in physical stuff. So you're more objective than anything else. And the problem with that is you can't listen for the messages, right? We're talking about uh, tapping in uh, to this uh, divine, high aspect of your mind, all these different things, working with the serpent, the kundalini, all this stuff. But it starts with the disciplinary act aspect of you being able to listen, still the mind, get that silence so you can receive the messages. If you're not listening, how are you going to hear anything? We don't because we're so busy sometimes, you know, we got diarrhea of the mouth. But anyway, what else we got? Yeah, okay, I saw that. Uh, OK, 
I'm going to skip through some of the comments, you guys, amongst yourselves. I just don't have time to get to all that right now. Uh, what else? Okay, what else we got? We're skipping some of this. Yeah, I see Raven put the book in again. I'm telling you, people get it. If if you don't have his book, uh, great read. Uh, you know me. I'm, I mean, this this thing. Uh, I got enough of books to start my own museum. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else we got? Uh, African sun types and isn't Satan actually a demon named Melik that Melik Toss? That's another a uh, title, right? That would be no different, as I was saying earlier. I know, I know you probably heard me say that earlier. Uh, in Islam, uh, Allah has 99 plus one different names. Uh, you can find this in many different cultures. I was just referring to them to yes, you will find different titles because we need to understand the breakdown of what those names mean. Now, Melik or Malik. That also has root in the Aramaic uh, uh, for justice, right? Uh, even the Arabic name Malik, right? We hear we hear we hear these terms. Um, you'll even hear one of the angels, uh, uh, Malachi uh, or Malachi Zodok or Melchizedek or Melchizedek, as it's pronounced in the Greek, angel of justice, right? Uh, which some liken to the angel Michael. Uh, he who dares to be like L. And I've always encouraged people, we need to really understand, I'm not saying you need to be a linguistic uh, scholar and have a master's degree in it, but we should understand the basics and the phonetics of words. As Zazil, the one removed, Lucifer, light bearer, because people automatically think it's all the same thing, but what it, it's not in essence the same thing, it's connected, but it's breaking down the different attributes, uh, you know, character and archetypes of these different energies that we're discussing. So you're gonna find many different titles and names. Uh, that's all dependent on whatever spiritual culture, uh, philosophy or system you're coming from. So yes, and I'm sure there's many others. Uh, Samael, uh, we can come up with so many different uh, names, all right? Okay, Trident 72, I see you put some clarity to that question earlier down here, as above, so below vibration. Uh, thinking about crossing up lines with spiritual physical and if you felt attraction played. Okay, that would be something you might want to throw at him again. Um, I know you typed that in after he left. Um, I, but in my opinion, I, yes, I, I, I would think that there's a connection to that on some level. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do when you, when you say um, the principles as, of as above, so below vibration. Um, when you say crossing the lines of spiritual and physical, I think a lot of that ties into the person's uh, experience and, and where they're at in their spirituality, where they're at in their journey, uh, what their life experiences are, what they're dealing with uh, currently, what they've, what they've went through in the past and where they're currently at now. Um, I do think there's a connection to that, in my opinion, from experience. Um, I mean, what level? I think that's going to vary from the individual, but I, I personally from my experience would say, I do believe there's a connection with what you're saying, all right? Um, but again, I would uh, if save that question again, if you would like to get more perspective from his perspective and what we were talking about, uh, definitely do that. I'll bring that up. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this is a good comment. I've talked about this. Uh, Oni types in, most people can't stand to be alone for five damn minutes. I don't know. Maybe I didn't understand it. All right. I'm not going to try to interpret that. I think the spell checker butchered that question. All right, Wacky J. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad Wacky J brings us up about guests, and I appreciate it, uh, the guests tonight. Just to give you some upcoming guests, uh, let me put that out there real quick uh, before we wrap it up shortly. Um, our next guest, uh, which is next week, you don't want to miss this one. We got Bal Cadman coming on. His new book is out. All right. I, uh, he actually sent it to me before he released it a few days ago. It is out. It is available on Amazon. Um, man, when I tell you this book here is probably his most, in my opinion, his most in-depth work, very detailed. Uh, it's a very long title. Um, I think it's a great book. Whatever aspect of the occult, left-hand path, path to self-mastery, or just spirituality in general that you're on, I think it's a great book. Um, he's got any, everything in there from sorcery to to uh, conjuring. Um, and the book is called Devils, Demons, and the Ghosts in the Hebrew Tradition, Romance in the Citra Acre. I'm uh, sorry, Romancing the Citra Acre. Um, he gets into the uh, Goetia, or as some know, the 72 names or companions of Set. He gets into Lilith. He gets into Samael. He gets into uh, Eastern mysticism, working with the jinn. He gets into in depth uh, the etymology of the names of a lot of the uh, demonology in Hebrew. He takes a lot of the spookism out of it because, again, we, 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 we tend to go spook when we hear that term. I'm talking more so to people that are not familiar with it. Remember the word demon, D-E-M-O-N, has its root in the word daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, which in Greek, which the Greeks referred to in Greek spirituality as the higher or the true self. And I mentioned, I want to be clear, that word demon became something that was connotized or, or associated with negativity or evil uh, via monotheism. That didn't start to happen until way, way later. All right. So we need to understand that when we're talking about working with demons or your personal demon on this path. We're talking about your higher self, your real you. We're not talking about the exorcist, Linda Blair spitting up vomit everywhere and that all that shit. That stuff is what was done in tech. You heard, you heard what Dr. Bynum said when it comes to possession, working with those higher levels of spirituality, it's mostly comes from Western philosophers and Western writers whose intent was to attack it and criticize it and make it spooky and make it scary and make it negative because <clears throat> that was their intent because it didn't line up with their personal ideology. So I want to make that clear when we're talking about that. We're not talking about the established uh, shit you read in books and on the Internet and from a lot of these westernized uh, philosophers and their opinions on it. We're talking about encountering the divine, the real you, the higher self. And he gets into it very in depth in his book. Um, that's what working with real demonology and demons is and understanding the energy of it. I know some people uh, may not grasp that or understand it. That's because you might, again, have your own perspective on it, and that's fine. Uh, but we'll have Val Cadman on next week. I'm excited to have him on. And as you know, he doesn't do a lot of public appearances next to none. Um, the first appearance he did was right here on this show. Um, and I've been fortunate to have some type of relationship with him um, and communication with him. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, the book is out. 
Uh, it is available on Amazon and it was released a few days ago. It was gonna be released on the 28th, but he got it done a little bit early. He was gonna come on on the 14th, but he wanted to make sure the book was done and was out um, so we could discuss it. Now, his when he's on, it's not gonna be limited just to that book. If you got questions on any of his other work, um, feel free. Um, so he'll be here on the 28th. Oh, excuse me, the following week, I definitely don't want you guys to also miss, we're gonna have on March 7th, uh, we're gonna have Priestess, Aset Rah Amin. Uh, I told you guys check out her channel. Um, she's been at it for a long time. She's thorough. And it's not just about she's a female teaching from female things. And I get tired and sick of that because to me that's stereotyping. I think we got to start uplifting females as just being teachers in general. Stop acting like females can only teach on female shit. It's got to be about female male stuff. That gets me nauseated. We got to start bringing warrior sisters out in the front that can teach on this shit regardless, that, that can teach the men, women, and children. Fuck all this. Always got to be a female topic with females. That shit is nauseating to me. And to me, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're being chauvinistic and stereotyping like they do in chauvinistic religions, whether we're conscious of it or not. So we got to stop that shit. A teacher is a teacher, regardless if they're male or female. I don't look at it like that. If somebody's dropping the signs, they're hitting home with it. I don't care what they are as long as they dropping it. And in my opinion, she's one of those females. I don't look at her as that girly girl female stuff, even though she drops the signs with that feminine energy, but she can she drops it on demons, spirits, left-hand path, the occult, magic, Egyptology, you name it. She's, she's fucking with all of it. And to me, that's the sign of a well-rounded teacher, regardless uh, if you're male or female. So don't miss her. She's gonna be here on March 7th. Uh, we're gonna have her live. Um, and I, I really like to see you guys show up for that one, especially the especially the uh, the women, not because it's a woman thing, but so you can see a strong woman that can hold her own just like a male could, just like I could or anybody else that's doing this, um, uh, just like Raven, uh, any of them. I want you guys to be able to see it for yourself and experience it. Um, and we got to get out of this. It's about female girly girl shit. That's that's annoying. It's not it's not always about male masculine shit. That's annoying, too. Uh, but anyway, don't miss her on March 7th. Uh, never, don't forget March 9th. Okay, I got to keep plugging this in. We're doing a special Saturday afternoon show at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Um, we're going to have Richard K. Page on. He's a well-known Luciferian and author. He's put out several books um, due to the fact he lives overseas. There's a six-hour time difference, so we are scheduling that show for a Saturday afternoon. So it works out with his time zone, which, uh, you know, common sense to be respectful. Um, that'll be four o'clock uh, Eastern time on uh, March 9th. Don't miss that show. Um, so mark that down. Uh, that's going to be interesting. That's one of my main areas of interest. I'm very familiar with his work and I'm looking forward to really, uh, you know, having him on. And then uh, we'll have more. But on March 14th, Bokor Rodney Coleman will be back on to talk about voodoo uh, and the hoodoo spiritual system of New Orleans. We'll be talking about the Orishi. We'll be talking about working with the Loa, the Petro, the Loa spirits. We'll be getting into all that stuff. We're, we're going to be going in hard on that. He's excited about coming back. He loves to be here. Uh, he's been on two times before. Um, I, I'm going to make it a point as far as Bokor Rodney Coleman and Dr. Bynum. They will kind of be regular guests. I'll try to get on at least once a month or once every six weeks or so. Um, so definitely don't miss that. Um, uh, be greatly appreciated for you guys to show up to those and get your questions answered. All right. 
Mm, what else we got? I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just a couple more here, and then I think we got everything for the time being. Yeah, but to finish off that question um, about still in the mind, some people can't be in a quiet, dark room by themselves. They can't sit still because the real, the real them starts to rise to the surface and fear kicks in. And then they start, their mind starts playing tricks on them in the dark. They think the boogeyman's in the room or something's out to fucking get them. And really what they're not understanding is their real self emerging. What they're really fearing and running from is their, their true thoughts. We call it the shadow self on this path. You must understand the shadow self in order to reach that state. When it's all of this stuff we're talking about, working with Kundalini energy, serpent energy, these higher sciences clearing the paths, as Dr. Bynum referred to it. If you're not able to do that, you're going to struggle. Trust me when I tell you. You don't have to take my word for it. You'll experience it. All right? Um, yeah, and then, uh, again, uh, I know uh, Friday, uh, we have the ritual Saturday. The drumming has been moved to 8 o'clock instead of 7.30. Uh, so if you are coming for those, please uh, take a note of that. Uh, Tuesday, I'll be back on Tuesday with the regular Tuesday night show. That's just a, a, a you know a live feed with no guests. Um, and that's it. Uh, I think we got to everybody for the time being. Um, Again, I enjoyed it. We will get Dr. Bynum back. If uh, anybody needs to contact me, you see my email in the description box of all the videos. If you are interested in a spiritual consultation or a reading, uh, you can hit me up at that same email. Uh, if you are also interested in signing up for the online classes, if you, are if you are interested in signing up for the online classes, they will begin March 23rd. Uh, if you need the information on that, send me an email. Uh, the email is khnum19 at gmail.com. Again, it's in the description box of all the videos. Um, so feel free to send me that link. Right. So feel, uh, you can hit me up at the email for any of those aforementioned things, and I will get that information uh, over to you. All right. I think that's it. Let me just check on the other end. I didn't see any questions. Everything was on this side, but let me just double check. I think, yeah, nothing on this chat. Uh, all right, people, I appreciate everybody tuning in. We're going to wrap this puppy up. Um, and for those that are going to be here tomorrow night, we'll see you tomorrow night. Those that are going to be here Saturday, we'll see you Saturday. Um, and for the others, I will see you guys live on Tuesday night. All right, peace.